0: once again we caution you, these stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Feudal Japan,
1: a time of shoguns and samurai, of forgotten tombs and cursed forests, and of demons and ghosts. This is the world of the haunted swordsman,
0: a lone samurai. Seeking revenge for the murder of his shogun traverses this landscape of mythological
1: creatures and legends His only guide on this blood-soaked journey A cursed severed head offers to help the samurai on his quest for revenge The samurai's odyssey will lead him and
0: his strange traveling companion into a world of monsters of Eastern folklore Where he will confront his greatest challenge facing and destroying the demon
1: overlord bent on plunging the world into eternal darkness.
0: We had the great pleasure of having Kevin work with us for many years on multiple projects, whether it be model making on King Kong or wearing uh, suit characters on Black Sheep, whether he was puppeteering or puppet building. Kevin was constantly able to throw himself at any task that we gave him. It's so evident, uh, you'd only have to look at uh, the narrative of Victor Carlock and, uh, and The Mill at Calder's End to understand that this is a unique filmmaker. Kevin has chosen to develop his own specific style, drawing on traditional rod-controlled uh, puppet techniques and uh, enchanting them with this beautiful movement, the cinematography to create these extraordinary films. And to me, there's no doubt that Kevin's work uh, stands alone and has a very important part in uh, filmmaking law in America.
2: Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell, and I'm Langley West, and you are here for episode 141, and I'm excited. Yeah, I, dude,
1: I can't tell you how excited I am because uh, uh, this guy uh, does amazing shit. Not only does he do, do amazing shit, but he's also one of the nicest people. Here comes the I, smoke, I,
2: Kevin. I've, yeah,
1: <laughs> one of the nicest people that I, that I've uh, had the privilege of meeting at 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 a convention and that type of thing. Um, and our guest today is Kevin Mcturk. Yay. Welcome, Kevin. sir. You,
2: you are Thanks, an effects. You are an effects artist, like I'm telling him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, but and you've got uh, you ha- are branching out from the, the, your first of all your filmography as an effects artist <laughs> is mind blowing. <laughs> it really like I encourage everyone. I don't want to bore everyone by not bore one, but like go through this entire listy thing. But go to IMDb and look this guy up because it's your effects work. you we'll talk about that it, well it's <laughs> Tom and I, I, I were
3: I ta- started when I was 4 years old I hope so <laughs>
2: well Tom and I were
1: talking about it and and when I look at your um when I look at your IMDb credits I don't see the the kind of uh early years of toiling in crappy independent films <laughs>
2: I don't see a, a angry tomato movie in here. No, I don't say Charlie Bernstein no
3: Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a couple that are I could kind of sweep under the the doormat, but um uh no, I was I was really fortunate, I mean super lucky um when I arrived in LA and uh yeah, it was uh it was just a uh, kind of a perfect time to arrive uh, in Los Angeles and start my career.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. False modesty aside, your your portfolio must have been <laughs> crazy in order to get the gigs that yeah, you did. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. I, well, I well can't first imagine of all, what, okay, what's in there?
1: Well, first of all, uh, you um, you said something interesting, and it's the same that almost almost everybody would talk to says. When I arrived in LA, where are you from, Kevin?
3: I am. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
2: There we
3: go. And uh,
2: Romero Country. I, yeah.
3: Yes, actually, that was my first, um, my first introduction to um, the world of special effects because George Romero is, uh, he was, rest in peace. He was one of the um, really big things going, or only big thing going in Pittsburgh um, at any given time. Uh, you know, films would come in and shoot in Pittsburgh, but. Uh, Romero would always shoot in Pittsburgh, so um, my backstory with uh, uh, working on Romero films is I was studying film, I went to Penn State and uh, studied film there, and I was always you know, trying to find a summer job that would apply to my career, and um, I had a series of summer jobs where I was, my friend and I were always um, parking valets, or Ice cream truck drivers, or um, we worked in like soft serve ice cream, tasty freeze places. And uh, it was the start of a summer, and we were at a comic book convention, and there was Tom Savini at a card table signing his Grand Illusions book. And uh, my friend just jokingly said, Why don't you ask Tom for a job? And I went over and presented myself, and um, Tom was like, well, actually, we're starting a film in two weeks. Why don't you come into the shop? I said the magic words, too, which is, I'll work for free.
4: <laughs> and uh,
3: and uh, he said, we're starting a, a, a job in two weeks, and why don't you start, um, come in Monday and start cleaning the shop with me? And, uh, uh, and that film turned out to be uh, Two Evil Eyes, which was a um, George Romero, Dario Argento film.
2: Did you work and, on both uh, pieces? But both Argento's yes. piece and and Romero's. Oh, cool. Yes,
3: at Savini's shop, and and it was really um, a uh, an incredible crew just that were coming in because he said I'm these two guys are coming from from L.A. and it was Everett Burrell and John Bulic wow. who wow. later went on to do uh, form Optic Nerve, mm, and yeah. they they were my direct bosses. So I learned everything that summer, everything from mold making and casting pieces and running foam and um seaming all the lab work and and ended up on set as well um you know work, working on both the, the Romero section and the Dario Argento section.
1: Very cool. Wow. By the way It was
3: actually uh, you, Oh sorry.
1: Uh, well I was just gonna anytime I, I don't know, anytime John Volich's
3: name comes up we
2: kinda Yeah, R. I P uh, John Volich.
3: Yeah we raise our yeah. we raise our What glass. a good guy. Yeah wonderful guy um, my greatest memory was um, John uh, he was such a sweet guy and he bought all the shop every all the crew um, tickets to nine inch nails that summer so it was really a
4: what?
3: Uh, a great what? little gift yeah he bought yeah, his tickets. yeah cool. and then my other memory was John said hey Tom can I borrow your motorcycle which was like a Harley leftover from night Riders. and uh, and Tom said sure and I he was like, "Hey, Kev, hop on the back," and wow. I was I was hanging on to John for dear life, and he was tearing up and down the Pittsburgh streets, which are just pothole ridges. They're like the worst streets to <laughs> race a motorcycle on. So, um, don't tell my mom and dad. That yeah. Was-
4: <laughs> yeah, that's so. Funny.
1: So when 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 you you know when you go you go to Tom Savini and like you know here I am and, and, and you say, this is what I do. What was it? Were were you a sculptor? Were you oh, a, no.
3: what, what, yeah. I was, I was a film student and I was just a guy who really loved special effects and, you know, had um, a great dad who handed us a super eight camera and had us projects. And, uh, we, um, you know, I grew up doing a lot of Super 8 filmmaking and then was in film school and my films tended to always have some sort of effect in it, optical printing or miniatures or any anything like that. I, I really loved effects in a very broad, and still do, in a very broad sense. I love miniatures, I love um, puppetry, and I love special makeup effects and making dummies, puppets, uh, all of it. So... I went really to Tom with zero experience and uh, learned how how to work in a shop and how to, um, you know, it prepared me for when I arrived in L.A. And it was Everett Burrell who actually said, uh, I remember at a McDonald's, Everett said, what you do is you get to L.A. and you knock on Stan Winston's door and you tell him you work for free and, uh, you know, hope they hire you. And that's exactly, that was the piece of advice and it was just timing. It was really I got out to LA and knocked on the door the right week and um they were looking for people for Batman returns. So that was sort of That's my so, cool. first so, LA.
1: so that brings to that brings to mind the question you're working for free. How yes. do you how do you
2: well what else do I, you
1: do to get by?
3: You sell well, those
2: nine inch nails tickets. <laughs> yeah, so
3: no, no, I um I had enough Um, when I got to LA, um, the summer on two evil eyes, I was kind of living at my parents house and they were kind of like letting me fly by on that one. But when I got to LA, I, you know, had a plan. I was just going to wait tables and, um, until something landed and I went to stands and got the offer the week I arrived. And so I worked for only a, Couple weeks, and then they saw that I was not a crazy person, and they just uh, started paying me a little bit and a little bit more, and then that just transitioned into um, you know a career at Stan Winston's for many many years.
1: Wow,
2: that's amazing! I can't the, working You're there. You bastard! History,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it just must be like a like a Bauhaus of ideas, right? Like a beehive of just
3: things. It was. That we're it was really wild and I you know, I have friends uh like the wonderful Shannon Shea, who I met the first week I was at uh working on Batman Returns and he he's been a mentor to me for many, you know, the last twenty years to you know, twenty five years. We love and that uh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's so wonderful. And um it was a real who's who of, of sculptors and mechanics and um and, and mold you know, mold department people, just the top
1: Did, did, was there a feeling at the time that people knew what they were doing was special? Well,
0: I mean, I think you because you know, we
1: look back on it through you know these these glasses now, but at the time,
3: was yeah, it, I I think the big moment for me was you know we I got there and I was already in awe of working on a on a Batman film making working on the Penguins. We were doing the the little people costumes and also the the mechanical uh penguin puppets
4: yeah
3: and uh there was uh in the corner of the shop there was a something on a cart like under a under like a wet beach towel and um i was like what's that and they said that's our next project and i went and peeked under the towel and it was uh the T-Rex from Jurassic Park uh. with the sculpture the fifth-scale sculpture that Mike Tursick was sculpting. So that was the next year of my life was uh, working on Jurassic Park. So,
4: nice. Uh, That's
3: crazy. Yeah. incredible time.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and looking over from, like, I, again, I don't want to go through the list of anything, but you're hitting, you know, a lot of big stuff here. Pulp, you were at Pulp Fiction, Interview with the Vampire. You're just, like I say, go to IMDb, kids, and, <laughs> yeah, and take a look the at sky this guy has been everywhere. So how does that get us to puppets?
3: Well, all these years I've you know I've worked at different shops on puppets and uh, you know making um, not quite the style puppet that I'm making for these films, but you know I I always kept it in the back of my mind to um, I, I always wanted to do a, a puppet film or some sort of film that involved puppets, maybe not an all puppet cast, but um, I, what happened was over all these years, I missed my filmmaking roots and wanted to get back to making a film. Um, and I sort of had this grocery list of effects that I, I wanted to incorporate into a film somehow. So I always wanted to do, um, miniature, uh, like I always wanted to do a ghost water tank shots like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. Yeah. I had this idea to do um a car on a treadmill um yeah. that's actually kind of from an old toy, like I had a toy as a kid that was a little motorcycle on a treadmill do you Do you remember this? It was like a chopper and yeah. uh yeah
4: yeah you, you turn
3: you turned on this little paper treadmill and the the motorcycle was on a magnet and kind of um you know, you, you're supposed to dodge the obstacles.
2: Yeah, and the ground—it's like a like a Flintstones background. It's just yes, yeah, it yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah.
3: <laughs> um, and I, that toy stuck in my head. I thought, it'd um, be great to do, you know, very realistic, you know, model T. But um, uh, that's where that idea came from. But what happened was I, um, I heard about this um, grant that the Jim Henson that Heather Henson, who is Jim Henson's daughter, um, gives to puppet filmmakers. And what I did was I put together a one-minute example of a puppet, and this was Victor Carlock. This was my first Mm -hmm. puppet. And uh, had him just do a walk with a lantern and, you know, very uh, hammer horror-looking shots. And uh, that got me, uh, that won her attention, and I, I got a grant to do my first... Puppet film, and that turned out to be the narrative of Victor Carlock.
2: Did um, to the uh, treadmill shot? Did I read or hear in your Kickstarter video? Steve Norrington helped you with that.
3: That's right. Yeah, I. Structure um, you know, of
2: Blade and yeah. Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, got, got yeah, in a This fight with Sean Connery, so I like it already.
3: He's an incredible guy, and uh, he. I, I knew Steve a little bit, but. Uh, Alec Gillis, who is the owner of Amalgamated Dynamics, um, Alec showed the little test shot I did. I, I was in touch with Alec and he said, Hey, I hope you don't mind. I showed it to, uh, Steve Norrington. And this was the, just the very early stage of me trying out a tre- a car on the treadmill. And, um, and Steve really loved the, the, the DIY quality of, of the shot. And uh, the next thing I know, we, you know, we became fast friends and, and stayed in touch. And um, he, again, he's very much like a mentor. He kind of knows how to get, how to accomplish these shots. So uh, over many lunches, you know, I would pick his brain about how to do these things. And, um, and then he helped basically create all the backgrounds. Plates. Um, I built a lot of miniature trees and rocks and things, but I didn't know quite how to um, map it into the background. And that was Steve's. Um, Steve took the shot over and just mapped in all the trees and rocks in the background.
1: Cool. cool.
4: Yeah, it's very
3: cool.
1: So, for for the listener who doesn't realize, because we jumped right to puppets, um, Kevin, in addition to having this amazing career as an effects person in Hollywood, on the biggest blockbuster films you can avatar etc cetera, etc cetera. um uh how many years ago that that uh, the narrative of victor carlos that was in
3: 2011 okay so, so it's kind of you know in the you know the later you know the teens of 2000 yeah. so
1: started to make these um short uh puppet films mm-hmm. and uh they I re- I remember I remember um seeing the first uh teasers for um Carlock and I was just like holy shit like this like this is amazing <laughs> because yes it's a puppet film, however it there's is there. it's there's a lot I, going I
2: on. I love that you wear a lot of your influences on your sleeve. Like it's clearly that you're a Baba fan, and I and I love you for that. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we can get to Baba in a second. Um, how have influenced overall are you on on other styles? Like I see, and especially in the Victor the Victor Orlach thing, um, uh, influences of Bunraku and and a lot of you're pulling from these yeah. these styles of puppetry from all over the world.
1: So one of the great things about that is that, and you were saying, Cat uh, was was watching mm-hmm. it with you and. Uh, uh, while the puppeteers are wearing black, there's really no, that you didn't go in and digitally erase them or anything. You can see the puppeteers performing with the puppets. And that is awesome because Mm -hmm. you're caught up in the story. You don't notice them at first. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I, I actually, on that first film, I really took the approach of this is a much more theatrical piece. And like live theater, and if you see the puppeteer then you see the puppeteer. I'm not gonna hide the fact that they are puppeteers and I had very obvious rods out the back of their head and um, off their elbows and if you saw if you saw them um, you know that was sort of the charm and also I was very um, I was very adamant about um, not having their mouths move and it was a very i was I was kind of taking a very bold approach of saying, well, it's a Puppet. I'm not going to try to manipulate the, the faces at all, um, and uh, so be it. And it kind of um, I, it kind of hurt me a little bit in some ways because some people were not on board, and it was really a hard sell to get into some festivals because they said, well, the, the faces didn't move. And so when I went about the second film, I really kind of pulled back and, and thought, well, maybe if it's more narration, um that'll help um bring you in and not be fixated on the um you know, if it's more voiceover, you're not gonna be fixated on these these mouths moving. So that was one issue. But the first one was very you know, I um even performed uh Victor Carlock as a live stage piece. Um oh, cool. where it's it's like a William Castle approach. It's the film plays and then um when the, the diving bell hits the, the ocean floor, um, the screen goes black, and then there's sort of just bubbles, and then we've had uh, the diver kind of come out, and he kind of tumbles around the audience, like 2001 style.
4: Sure.
3: Um, and we just have sort of a spotlight on him, and um, we, when we did it last, we did it at Bob Baker Marionette Theater in L.A. like that, and uh, we had cello, a cello cellist playing a piece and so he did this kind of tumble and and sort of explored around with a, a searchlight, and then he goes back behind the stage, and then the film continues to the end. So Dude, was...
2: how, how badass is that? It's <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and what year? What year was this? Was this twenty well, twenty eleven that you had the per- sta- stage production?
3: Um, that was no, that was not too long. We did that after the fact. Like the film played in festivals, and I, oh, okay. um, and then I uh, was approached. Um, by some folks uh, with the Bob Baker, it might have been the L.A. Puppetry Guild. They asked if I could do a performance like that. So we, I kind of recut the film so we could do that.
2: Oh, that's
1: very cool. That's so cool.
2: Um, how did you uh, get your cast? I mean, you've got Maurice LaMarche, um, Christopher Lloyd, Elijah Wood. Yeah, that uh, for for our first film, those are those are heavy hitters.
3: Well, Elijah was was very easy because he's. I mean, all all three of those actors are the nicest, most beautiful people. Um, And uh, Elijah, I was working in New Zealand on King Kong, um, building miniatures. And Elijah would stop down in New Zealand quite a bit. And he came by at a workshop. And um, we we met then. And then we kind of stayed in touch um, over the years. And I saw him at a Comic-Con and... I sort of had Carlock about sort of six months away and I, I just approached, I just asked him hey, I have this puppet film, uh, would you mind doing a voiceover for it? And he just was like absolutely, let's do it. And so he was easy and then Maurice I approached um, I contacted him I think it might have been through Comic Con as well and I just really loved his Orson Welles yeah. and I said, I have a Wells." Orson Welles puppet, can you, would you be interested in performing the voice? And he's like, any chance to do Orson Welles, I'll do it. (laughs) And then Christopher Lloyd was, um, we, I did a charity, um, ghost story recording years ago and I got a hold of Christopher Lloyd and he did this, uh, recording. It was a really interesting project. It's kind of a long story, but I, um, Was I I got involved helping this charity for the youth um, of the blind, um, what is it? Youth of the blind, American Society of the Blind, um, Youth Society of the Blind. So it was a Halloween charity event for sight impaired people at um, this uh, place here in LA. And they do a Halloween carnival, and I thought, I met a guy involved with this. And he said, if you have any ideas, I'll give you a room, and you can kind of, like, create something that has to, you know, that has the spirit of Halloween that is for sight-impaired people. And I thought, let's do a great, like, a ghost story and get a great voice to narrate a ghost story, and... What they did, I was working with a guy who is really good with sense, you know, smell technology, like the rides at Disneyland, and they can do... He had a machine that, like, you load it up, and it kind of uh, fires these scents into the crowd. And uh, so it was sort of this darker room, and I had, like, surround sound, and then this, like, machine that had all these canisters with all the sounds, and it was all the smells. So it was like a ghost story with smells, and uh in surround sound and Christopher Lloyd narrated it. So we that's my meeting with him and then years later I said, "Hey, I'm doing a project. It's not a charity, but um I would if you're interested, I I'd, I'd love to uh have you voice this character." And I I talked him into it and uh that's that's how it came about.
4: Very cool.
2: What I find interesting is that you um a, the the puppets that you make of the actors that you use resemble mm-hmm. them. Is there a reason for that?
3: Um. Well, it's it's definitely in the case of Carlock and um, and in uh, in the case of uh, when I was able to get a hold of Barbara Steele, mm-hmm. um, it was definitely in their likeness, and I was I was going for that. And then uh, in other cases, you know, I kind of have. They're kind of amalgams of of several actors.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, uh, the new samurai one. He's kind of a blend of of several actors. So, um, you know, I I kind of needed a very stoic face that was you know elements of Toshirō Mifune and but also um, there's a little Ken Watanabe in there and you know it's kind of he's a bit of a a mashup and uh, I can't take credit for the sculpting. It's it's uh, a few of my really great friends, Arjen Tauten is this Dutch sculptor, and uh, he has been sculpting um, for Millet Calder's End and also for the new one. And uh, uh, Mitch Devane is another sculptor. Uh, he did the Barbara Steele sculpt, and uh, there's a few other sculptors. And uh, I've just been so fortunate to kind of call upon these these heroes to me. They're mm. You know legends that I've worked with, and to turn and ask them to, well, to sculpt something.
1: That's what it, that's what struck me too was that um, when I was looking at um, when I first discovered your puppet films, and I was looking at the credits, I'm like, "Holy crap! This is like a a who's who." And yeah, we um, were doing that
2: when I was watching the film. I yeah. Like,
1: hey, 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 hey! And it's like, oh my god! And it's like, and you know, our our buddy Paul Komoda uh, contributed. Oh, yeah.
3: you, you know, How good is
1: team. Paul? Jesus.
3: Paul's amazing Paul yeah, is yeah, yeah. yeah and I just can capture he is the surrealist of the yeah. group I just, <laughs> you know you, He'd you, should, own that. Yeah. you can just let him run yeah. and just say you know just create you know something out of your brain you know out of your brain
1: uh-huh. make it beautiful and grotesque
3: yeah. if it, there.
2: it should be noted that the, this new film you're working on The Haunted Swordsman there's a Kickstarter for it going right now correct? right now
3: yes it's only a week old and uh it is um going strong, yeah and, uh,
2: the the, yeah.
1: the the footage is amazing. It was funny because, like the third day of, like in the afternoon, I sent Kevin a message and and I think you were like at twenty seven thousand or something, and I'd go, well, here's hoping that you get to thirty thousand by the end
4: of the know.
3: day,
1: <laughs> and like by the time I posted that, it was like thirty five thousand I was always like awesome. holy crap.
3: Yeah, there's always a good spike at the beginning of these Kickstarters, and then there's sort of a long plateau, a long tundra of uh, just a little bit of activity, and then at the end it hopefully um, picks up speed. But uh, I'm hoping to get the word out, and uh, thanks to you guys. This, yeah. is, this is wonderful to, to be able to tell you about the project.
2: The imagery that I saw on the Kickstarter video, it, it just it just... Drips of of like I see Kobayashi in there with like a Quaidan yes. influence. I see a lot of I see a lot of like the 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 thing of of who I, mean, I don't want to blow anything or, or give you too much away, but the, the thing that his is his guide is yes. one of the coolest ideas it's
0: I've ever heard. Just so
3: cool! It, it's,
0: it's, it's so um,
2: it's like of course, yeah, <laughs> but, it, right? Yeah,
3: and I'm I'm really hoping. I mean, there's a uh, an amazing actor that I'm really hoping to. I've been in talks with about, and I hope he um, agrees to do it. But uh, he'll bring so much uh, character to the to the severed head. It's a it's a severed head of a of another samurai that this samurai carries around, and he's it's a cursed head, and it's kind of offering him advice, and it's the more talkative. Of the, um, of the two, and so what I decided to do was make a full-size animatronic head, and then there's a smaller, he, he carries it around in a birdcage, and so there's sort of a, a smaller head that doesn't really talk, and then the, when we need a good reaction shot, um, this, this mechanical head will be very expressive.
1: It's, it, dude, it's awesome. You're killing it is me. Such a cool it, 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 you, it You're just killing me. It, it reminded me of um it reminded me of Hellboy mm. carrying around the dead guy on his back. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, was yeah, straight yeah. out of the Magnolia uh. It's films. very
3: yeah, it's it's definitely a nod to um I guess it's you know, it's a trope that's been around. Um I never knew this the term grateful dead mm-hmm. is actually this sort of spirit guide um, that Mm. appears in countless folklore tales. And I have to give credit to, um, you know, one of the first people I was talking to about the idea was a guy named Chad Odell Roberts. And um, Chad uh, is, uh, I worked with him as a storyboard artist, um, amazing guy. And, uh, And then also Tab Murphy is a screenwriter that I've been working with on this project and Tab wrote Gorilla's in the Mist and was nominated for an Oscar. Wow. And uh, wow. right. he wrote um uh Batman Year One. He he adapted the Frank Miller mm. uh to be the animated uh film. That's great. Then, yeah. Yeah. Really I love that. And then he wrote um uh Brother Bear and Hunchback of Notre Dame and uh Atlantis and oh, <laughs> oh di- that's just
2: Disney money—a hack. Just, yeah. just yeah. a, a hack. <laughs> um, how steeped are you in that stuff? A lot uh, in the samurai film.
3: I I'm obsessed, and uh, ah, you, see, I, I knew uh, I liked this guy. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, of course I love the Lone Wolf and Cub series, sure. and um, a lot of Kurosawa, and uh, what's wonderful about this is that there have been. Uh, Facebook people who've been messaging me these like more obscure ones, and oh, it's dude, just I
2: could ruin your life <laughs> with this stuff. I love this, I love the samurai film so much.
3: Well, I'm up for any obscure right. reputation. <laughs> I'll, I'll
2: say this: Ninja Hunt, find Ninja Hunts. It's real. It's like in the 50s, and it's one of the best ninja films you'll ever see. But I, I'm a geek. I've seen all the Zatoichi films. The, there's the uh, uh, the Sleepy Eyes of Death series. There's just and how many? Zatoichi 26 films? Twenty six of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I've also there's a hundred TV episodes, and I've seen those too. I just love. I love it. It's it's. Um. That's why, like when Sukiyaki Western Django came out, I right. was just like, I love. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> right. I love this so much. Well, the thing is, is that uh, uh, the Japanese filmmakers,
1: especially when it comes to the Chanbara films, mm. um are really good at juxtaposing slow mm-hmm. beautiful well composed shots with this crazy um Horrific, for lack of a better word, action mm-hmm. where you know things are getting locked well, off. I, and I
2: love the idea that it's it's filmmaking that most filmmakers, I think, especially Western filmmakers, they're afraid of silence and right. they're afraid of just two people sitting in a room. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. so much of of this stuff is just that. Yeah. It's it's uh, a lot of like you know Le- like Leone stole pretty heavily right. from <laughs> the back and forth i thing. Yeah. And
3: the long the long tense shots of, of oh, still... yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just
2: oh my god. That's great. <laughs> we did it we did a samurai episode and and um it was it, it was hard not to get real listy with it because there's so much of it that like um, well, it's it's like the it American goes, Western, it's yeah. just like it goes on and it on gets and so on deep and, and so obscure, you know? Yeah.
1: That, uh and there's definitely, you
2: know, bad
1: ones mm-hmm. but
2: and that's why this imagery that I saw in this trailer where I was just like, he's nailing it. Like, yeah. just across the board, he's yeah, nailing it. Absolutely, you can so see what influenced you. you.
3: Oh, thank you. Thanks. And we're, you know, the the puppeteers I'm working with, um, uh, Eli Presser is sort of the lead puppeteer of this, and he was on Calder's End as well, and um, really sort of my right-hand man as far as um, figuring out the puppetry movement. But we've... Consulted. There's a martial arts museum here in Burbank, and I've contacted um, the owner. Well,
1: Tom and I dude, were just like, "What?"
4: <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, uh, it's,
3: it's a great little museum. And um, I contacted the owner and I asked, "Do you have any recommendations for a samurai, you know, sword master who could show us, you know, how to puppeteer this puppet so we're kind of, you know, in the ballpark of how to do a proper." You know sword movement, and so we're we're that's the goal. We're going to meet with this guy and have the puppeteers meet the sword master and, and try to really hone in the skills. Dude,
1: that's wow. awesome. That is one of the things that. Uh, is so, like for for martial artists, uh-huh. well, whenever you watch something, right, it's it's incredibly frustrating and aggravating whenever you see some either somebody do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Or you see that they're just doing a training drill. That's bullshit,
2: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I've said on this show many times, it's it's what I call Tom's first rule of action cinema, and that is the further the camera is away from the action, the more those people know how to fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you start seeing quick cuts and really tight framing... That's some bullshit means
1: on. well, yeah. It means that you know, it's an actor, and yeah, yeah. you're you're hiding the fact that they don't know how to fight. By
2: you will believe any lover. Can...
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I th- I think that was the reason too. The puppets are larger in this one. The, you know, they were maybe like 32 inches tall in the last one, and now they're about 38 inches, 40 inches tall. So they're bigger than half scale, and. Um. The reason for that is there's a couple of reasons. There's we can hide puppeteers a little bit better behind the puppet. And the fact they're a little bit heavier and a little bit bigger, they move slower. So you're you're moving um, in a more realistic fashion. You're not winging a puppet around like Kermit, you know, you're, you know, love Kermit. You know, you are moving in a much more realistic manner.
1: You're able to sell the illusion of weight. Mm-hmm. And, yes, and and
2: uh, that's mass. what so often like a lot of marionettes don't work that way. If right. You, if you right. watch um, some of Scott's stuff in um, Team America, they got right. that light. Like I'm on right.
1: the moon. Right. It's it's very indicative of of being a marionette. Yeah. It, speaking of which, was Jerry Anderson uh, an, an influence for you? Absolutely. Yeah.
3: I I love Jerry Anderson stuff. Um, I was pretty late to Jerry Anderson. Um, I you know I have a lot of English friends that that was their, um, you know, the way that the Croft brothers were so big to us here, you know, the Jerry Anderson uh, universe was huge to them. Um, so I was kind of late to it, but I love it. So, you know, it's, it's miniatures. It's, um, I love the fact that you use like real pyrotechnics and it just, uh, you know, felt, <laughs> felt very dangerous, you know, to probably, <laughs> To film as well as you know to watch, it looks you know like real consequences.
2: Fire fabric, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: wow,
2: uh-huh. oh, a
1: lot of the a lot of that English stuff, it, it, not just Jerry Anderson. Uh, for people listening who don't know who Jerry Anderson was, he did this, I, and, and and I'm forgetting the name, the, the patented name that he used, but this marionette. Super Marionation. Yeah, thank you. Super Marionation. <laughs> um style of filmmaking and he made all these science fiction based and some of them were kinda of, were kids most of them were were, were kids shows. Mm-hmm. However, some of them were done as straight action science fiction things. Cool. And I'm trying to think of names and I can't think of any Thunderbirds Oh yeah. Captains. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, why didn't you just say Thunderbirds? Well because yeah, I couldn't remember it. Um, right, 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 right. He's That's also the guy that went and did the live action things, UFO, Space nineteen ninety nine. Um a lot of great cool stuff. stuff. But uh but you know, even like guys like um uh what's his name? Roger Dickens did a lot of puppet work um for the uh I believe it I wanna say it was the Amicus, but I'm not I can't remember now. No, no, it was uh, American International Pictures. Um the uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs adaptations mm-hmm. in the seventies. So yes. at the Earth's yeah.
3: core, uh, what's the, Late name? In the Time Forgot? Yeah, there we go.
1: And you had uh, dinosaur puppets as opposed to stop motion. Or, or yeah, or iguanas with. Or yeah, it got, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like lizards with spines glued on their back, and uh, and it was very cool because. When you see stuff like that, I think I think it it has it has a magic of its own that is it does it look real? Well, no, not really. But it has I don't know it has a life that that even you know the really good CG doesn't quite have. Mm-hmm. You yeah. you you get the performance of the actor who's perform the puppeteer. Was an actor mm-hmm. um, through the the, the puppet.
3: I think, as as, yeah, as I think that's yeah. I think that's. I mean, that's the, the what really appeals to me is that there's such a a tactile you know quality to what I'm trying to shoot, and uh, it's all kind of unfolding right before your eyes. And uh, you know, it's that's the, the best feeling shooting this stuff is. You know, looking at a monitor and something is so startling that it it's happening like a magic trick right, right in front of you that uh, that's when you know it's working. And, and, um, at least for me, that's, that's, it feels like a, a success when, when that happens.
2: It's almost that it's like, um, you, you, you become a nerd and it's that, that's the word that in it, in that within the first couple of minutes of, of, well, especially with his films, it, uh, you're you're in you 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 right. locked in the 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 suspension of disbelief is is red, readily right it's at right your there too yeah, yeah 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 and then you're just along for there's so much beautiful stuff in there the reveal of the ghost in caller's end is is some of the most the prettiest footage i've seen in in recent memory at least
3: um, and that was the first thing we shot for the whole project was before i shot anything uh, we had the the ghost ready to go. So we, I got like a three foot by three foot cube aquarium, and uh, you know we had everybody in green screen, and we just had the um, witch kind of uh, dance, like kind of move around, and we we weren't even sure you know what was going to work as far as her her hair, you know we we knew we wanted to obscure her with our hair, and then you know do a a switcheroo where her face is suddenly, you know, all rotted away, and uh, so that was that was a blast to shoot, and it was it was like the first thing out of the gate that we did shoot.
1: Mm. I think sometimes uh, modern audiences or, or younger audiences um, who who know anything about effects at all forget that that was the way that was the way you did it you wanted something ethereal you wanted something floaty you mm-hmm. wanted something you know ghost you know from ghostbusters to Lo- raiders of the lost ark to um poltergeist you did it in water mm-hmm. and and it it kind of uh it blows me away that that it, that technique isn't used more today because you can sit with i mean and for Hours and hours and hours, building these simulations in, com- uh, in in computer. You know these water simulations, and 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 sometimes you can use fire to kind of replicate the motion. Um, whereas you could just stick the damn thing in a tank of water and shoot yeah. it now. You
3: yeah, know? yeah. It was a little bit like um, filming a seat, like trying to photograph a sea otter because it would look great for, a, you know, a little bit and then, like, not, look not great. And then you're kind of waiting for it to swing back around and then you're like, okay, that we got it. And then, um...
2: I guess they're like, having a lot of these same troubles at, on Aquaman. They're, they're saying it's horrible because everyone's... Because <laughs> everything's floating. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I'm, I'm curious, how did you... How did you get Mike Mignola to draw the letter in Calder's End?
3: Um, Mike... Uh, I approached again for me Com- <laughs> yeah for me you know for me comic con uh a lot of people go down and and it 's just a chance to to buy a lot of stuff and i I used you know the years that I was kind of working on these projects to kind of go around and and talk to just my favorite artists to see if you know there was some way I could um trade or you know you know you know what I did actually Mike so I made a um a black Sunday mask like the iron mask oh cool uh with Rick Fortuna Rick Fortuna is an amazing sculptor and he and I I you know I worked on it um and uh I presented it to Mike and Mike was like okay I'll do uh you know what do you want I'll do a let me do a little design for you and uh so it was a trade and then um uh, he drew that, you know, sort of like that cursed parchment and, you know, it's just sort of Latin, Latin gibberish, but it's, uh, it was really wild uh, to have a Mike Mignola piece of artwork floating around in, oh, you know, the scene.
4: Yeah. I bet, I bet.
1: Uh, I was going to say, um, you know, talking about uh, Mignola, uh, so much of what you do, um, with your puppet films when when you 're the director you 're in charge um, I really see you living in the same universe as mm-hmm. as him del toro um it, 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 the spirit cabinet seems to me it feels to me like that world or that universe or is is uh, um, is there um I guess this is kind of a dumb question. Of course, obviously, this is the kind of stuff you're interested in, yeah?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. And I am, um, you know, I was working at, um, I was working on Alien versus Predator, and it was kind of winding, the first one, and it was kind of winding down, and I heard that a new shop was um, starting this project called Hellboy, and I was unfamiliar with um, the comic book and went out and you know got the first collected graphic novel and just absolutely devoured it, loved it and ended up um, working on the first Hellboy uh, at Spectral Motion, which is where I s- still work to this day. And um, it was, uh, but yes, everything about Mike's world that he's created, I, I love. And also, you know, Del Toro's um, films, I, I adore. And he's, mm-hmm. He's a wonderful, um, you know, of all the filmmakers out there, he's been so receptive to, to my work and, uh, you know, is a fan of it, which is, just blows me away. I can't, can't believe it. So, um, one,
1: of, one of your puppets lives in Bleak House, yeah?
3: Yes, yes. He, um, as the movie was winding down, he offered to buy one of the puppets, and it actually helped pay for my post-production, Um, and so it was, he was really funny about it because he bought it and I'm still filming the movie and he was like, well, when can you drop it off? And, uh, I I still have a few scenes left. I got to film it. Bring it over. You know? So, um, it was really, uh, so wonderful. And then that, that puppet has gone on tour and it's in Toronto now. Um, it, it's on tour with his museum exhibition. So,
4: um,
3: it was in L.A. at LACMA, and then it went to Minnesota, and then now it's in Toronto. And it might continue. We don't know um, what whether his museum tour is going to continue, but it's an amazing museum exhibition.
1: I don't know if there's anybody that keeps track of this kind of stuff or not, but I, Kevin would get my vote for most successful... Uh, festival entries, like like his his films win, freaking every festival. It's 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 unreal.
3: It it, it did really well. We, um, the you know the one of the big highlights it it won a big award up in Seattle at the Seattle International Film Festival, right. and it, it into Oscar contention with like two hundred other films that made it into Oscar contention, and then it was quickly. Uh, dismissed because it won for animated, but it's actually live action. But mm. um, what happened was, um, and uh, it's, I, when I would submit it to different film festivals, I'd always write them ahead of time and say, would it be possible to submit this under animated? It's live action. It's not frame by frame. But it, Groups better, you know, it plays better with animated films. Sure. Uh, You know, 90% of the festivals all said, yeah, we agree. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, it it won up there. And then um, it also, one of the highlights is I got to go to Rome and it played in a festival there. And I went with Barbara Steele and um, to that festival. And she is she is royalty over there, so there was like paparazzi um, still um, chasing her down, and uh, so it was really incredible to be in, in Rome with Barbara Steele uh, presenting the film.
1: That's that's awesome. That's amazing. But you know, I mean that, and that speaks to a couple things. One, that technically the the, the definition for animation is to bring life to an inanimate object. Mm-hmm. Yes, we think of it as frame by frame. Either stop motion or two D, you know, mm-hmm. cell animation, or nowadays um, using the computer. Um, but it's but, but really, uh, yeah. Tom spits to the side. Yeah, but really, uh, you know, a sock puppet technically is animation because you are bringing life sure. to an inanimate object. Two, it also brings up the point that there really isn't um, in established film circles. Uh, a category for the puppet film.
3: You're absolutely right. It kind of falls between the cracks, and um, you know we're kind of uh, you know left out in the cold. So it's it would be wonderful um, it it'd be wonderful if it was uh, you know uh, adopted by the animation world a bit more. And it played my film played at the Annecy Film Festival, which is in it's the biggest animation festival in Europe and uh it's in uh France and um there it it had a great reception and you know it's really a, an a festival just for animation. So it was really nice to be um you know uh welcomed there.
2: Sure. I bet, I bet. Hey, um was was the I I prom I I promised myself the Baba thing, um was <laughs> ba, was Baba was just one of those things that fit that you, the influence you added because it sort of fit the story or was it like,
3: um no I I love Black Sunday Black Sunday oh, is, wow. one of my all time favorites and uh, I um, that was the reason you know I really wanted to get in touch with Barbara Steele mm. and. Uh, it was really funny because I, I called. I somehow met her manager, and I kind of cold called her. He gave me her phone number, and I cold called her, and I, you know, I kind of pitched the whole thing in like two minutes, you know, without taking a breath. And at the end, I, I felt like I was like, you know, out of breath, like like Daffy Duck on stage, like, <laughs> and then. Uh, and then she was like, I absolutely love it. Let's do this. So it was really, um, she's, you know, she's an artist herself. She's really very, just wildly creative and, and really into all the Gothic stuff. And um, it was just, uh, she's like, as long as I'm not a witch that burns up, then that was kind of, you're a witch that burns up. So, um, but it's... But it's uh, not it's you.
2: Really good. Yeah. It <laughs> was... Um David DelVille used to be do some representation, representation yes. of Barbara. Yeah, yeah. I you know da- David. Oh, yeah, yeah. I he love is, David. Dudes, David is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we brilliant. had him yeah. on a couple of weeks ago and it was just, it was one of those episodes where it's just me and Lainey just sitting back going, yep. go ahead. We just like <laughs> shut up and let him talk. <laughs> yeah, he's
3: encyclopedia, yeah, and yeah. he, um, you know, we presented the film, we showed two of Barbara's films at the Egyptian here in L.A., and David did a Q and A with Barbara, and he knows every like crazy story. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, 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 yeah.
3: To have I, Barbara tell, so David is
2: a special man. <laughs> um, yeah, personally, I'm a big uh, blood and black lace, and followed by yes. uh, whipping the body because I'm yes. a pervert. No. <laughs> but I just love the use his use of light in whipping the body to denote uh, mood change. Mm-hmm. It's fucking brilliant.
1: Well, and and talking about lighting, um, I think one of the things that makes your films so special, Kevin, is um your movies look like uh the best Hollywood films live action.
2: Oh, I thought you were going it's, something else. oh, I, no. I was gonna say that I agree with you. Well well I in was... many ways, Calders End especially oh my it god looks like a Baba film. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It totally looks like a Baba film. So. And uh I wanted to I wanted to talk to you for a second about um are there challenges in trying to light um miniatures things that are smaller than than real life yes as opposed to the way you would normally light a scene even if it's something simple with like a three-point lighting structure
3: what are those challenges It's definitely a challenge and it's you know to hide the puppeteers as much as we can. And um, there's no, the one thing I always say is there's, there's just no easy shot in the whole, in the whole film. It's if there's like one cutaway of something, you kind of can take a breath and like, you know, relax. But otherwise, you know, you're kind of lighting to, you know, show off the puppet, but also hide puppeteers. And, Mm. you know, I'm trying to do everything in camera, so there's usually a lot of atmosphere going on. Um, if I was shooting a green screen film, you know, you can't really fog it up. But um, you know, I tend to have a lot of atmosphere. We we rented one device um, that was a sparrowhead uh, camera. It's if you saw Children of Men, um, there was this really elaborate camera setup inside the car where where the car the camera keeps kind of there the camera's inside the car and it moves around the four passengers
1: it's like a crazy tracking
3: shot mm-hmm. yeah it was inside it was like on a track moving around and i met with the company that built that is called doggy cam and they have a device called a sparrowhead that you can mount on a track so that was sort of the one splurge moment when we were filming um, there's a couple shots in Calder's End where the camera's, like, pulling down a tunnel um, to kind of show off, you know, him looking down a tunnel. Right. Or, or the camera's following along him, you know, really quickly. And it was on a – it's kind of a motion control uh, track. So you can, you know, ramp the camera, the speed of the camera up and, and follow a character, and it can pan and tilt um, while you're following the character. So it was – um it was this one indulgence that that I I rented for, for one of the weekends, and that was uh, – it paid off. I, we, it's one of those devices, that you're like, okay, if we rent this, we're going to shoot with it every shot. and uh, Yeah, exactly.
1: you know. we're going to get as much mileage <laughs> yeah, out exactly. of this as we can. And yeah. the result is beautiful. Um, I was wondering, because um, it seems to me, and I may be wrong, but it seems to me that, like, puppet people – they all know each other. So, like, you know, like... like it's
3: a small world, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a small world. So, like, you know Sam Koji Hale, you know Toby Proud and, and all these all these other folks, right?
3: Sam, Sam, I really have to give a lot of credit to, because Sam was the one who, going back to when I was telling you about um, the Heather Henson, uh, the Grant, mm. yeah. Sam, Sam was the one who told me about it, and... Um, I was working on Hellboy, and Sam was working in the same building on a stop motion project, and we got to be friends. And uh, and over the years, you know, he was working on his film Yamasong, the short, and right. uh, he told me about the grant. And so Sam is really instrumental in my path towards making these puppet films.
1: Awesome. Have you seen? Have you had a chance? Have you seen Yamasong March? I can't remember the name now, but the, the feature. No, I
3: know he just showed it at the Bristol Puppetry Festival and I would go visit, Spectral Motion was really close to the stage that he was shooting on, so I, would, I went over to uh, visit him at, on set at lunchtime and, and watch the progress and it was super cool and we both hire the same puppeteers and, and so it's a really small circle of friends um, to, uh, that we all know each other and... and uh, and get along great.
1: I find this endlessly fascinating. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, people are making fucking puppet films again. It's oh, like, no, it's, it's, great. It's,
3: it's, yeah. Great. And you guys know Scott, Scott Land too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Scott's okay. been on the show. Yeah. Scott and Lisa yeah. both have been on the show. Yeah. Scott, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Guys. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: tell me about Ryan Murphy.
3: Well, Ryan Murphy is not the Ryan Murphy of the, the giant, television, Ryan Murphy. No, I
2: I just noticed that he he seems to be a writing partner.
3: Yes. He wrote Mill at Calder's End uh, along with – we both got together. And so Ryan was – he worked at Stan Winston's when I worked at Stan Winston's, and he was um, a script reader there and helped – he was in the development department when Stan Winston was looking into different properties um, around the time of the Wrong Turn movie, that's when I met Ryan, and uh, and we stayed friends. And he wrote an incredible script that was, I loved it. It was Allison it was a Sherlock Holmes Alice in Wonderland mashup that was really bizarre, and um, I, it was. I just remember it was it was great because he nailed it both. I like it it was just. Sherlock Holmes fantasy strange piece, and when I went to, I knew he could. He really had a great ear for the narration, and I came to him with a bunch of story ideas, and then he kind of melted it in, into this, you know, finalized story, and that's that's how it all came about. I I sort of had this list of items that I really wanted to happen. Um, and he just, you know, glued it all together. And he has a great ear for dialogue. And uh, yeah, I hope to work with him again. And uh, and also, Tab Murphy is is has done a wonderful job of writing this samurai epic, which mm-hmm. is it's feature length, but it's split into like fifteen or twenty minute chapters. I
1: was going to say that the, the haunted swordsman uh, if I understand correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just uh like one chapter, yeah.
3: That's the title of the overall piece, but it's split into um you know, these mini episodes that are a bit standalone, you know, but with a cliffhanger mm-hmm. um angle to them. But uh I just it felt so great to write them in, in these little chapters, you know, very much like Lone Wolf and Cobb or um Right. These stories that you can have these events happen, and you know it's it's all leading somewhere, but it's, um, right. it's episodic the in a way. Stories that come together well. to
2: form an overall narrative. A big, yeah, yeah that's very cool. Cool. And it's smart because you don't have to um, sink in with for the big for the big the ninety minutes. You can do right exactly. As they, you can do the 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 small piece plus. Plus, I like the I like the allusion. I'm sorry. I like the um, correlation to the Japanese koan, the small little right, the the short uh, Zen Buddhist question. Question. Yeah, yeah. Little, I love that. Yeah, have you yeah, ever? Yeah. There's an anime um, that I highly recommend called Mushishi. It's little 20 minute anime episodes. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yeah,
3: yeah. Have you seen Which, it? It's on Netflix. You, okay. Oh my god! I think I, think I have seen this. I. I was going to bring up some anime because I do. Uh, that's also a, a great influence, and Ninja Scroll is
1: Ninja Scroll's badass man. It's just I'm not a huge anime fan,
3: but like Ninja Scroll, and there's a thing. called uh, There's one called Sword of the Stranger that I really like too. Mm. Um,
2: yeah, there's this Mushishi thing. I, I am a man in my fifties, and I have wept at these, just, just going like, oh, my God. And I just have a – I see that there's new episodes, and I'm just – I want to hit it, you know, dive in, but it's – um, How do people find your Kickstarter, Kevin?
3: Well, if they just go to kickstarter.com and type in The Haunted Swordsman, you'll come across it. Or if you go to my website, which is the spiritcabinet.com. Um, You can, um, there's a link to it from there, or um, you'll find me on Facebook just under Kevin McTurk.
2: There you go. Um,
1: uh, Also, well, I was going to say, and, uh, you know, you've, people listening have heard us talking about the narrative of Victor Carlock Mm -hmm. and um, The Mill at Calder's End, which were uh, Kevin's first two puppet films. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Those are, those are available.
3: They are available i i they are part of the I would prefer to to recommend that people look at them as uh, part of the Kickstarter packages Got but it. um the um the Zen is still available as a um a downloadable vimeo on demand oh cool and gotcha. uh, but um the narrative of Victor Carlock is only available as a physical copy now because um The, uh, Heather Henson, uh, has a deal now with, I believe, Filmstruck, and so her films are going to go there, so I had to take it off the downloadable um, version, so it's available as a physical copy, and that's part of the Kickstarter, one of the rewards.
1: Didn't she used to have a series of DVDs that was like, and I can't remember the name now, but it was, it was, uh... It was just compilations of puppet yes.
3: films Yes, mm-hmm. made handmade, handmade puppet dreams and yeah. uh Victor Carlock is on uh, one of them and and sam koji Hale's film is on one of them and they're each one is is fantastic they're they're,
1: they're amazing the films that are on there um Steve johnson's ever loving oh, is on one of oh, them that's as well cool. yeah that's very cool. there there's a
3: great one called junk Palace that is um, oh my god it's one of my favorites
2: it's so good <laughs> um when does the Kickstarter end?
3: It ends in twenty-four days from now, so at the end of at the end of September. So, um,
2: so people still have time to go out there and and contribute.
3: Still have time, and uh, yeah, uh, check it out sooner than later.
2: <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what else are you? What are you working on at the shop? Anything you can talk about?
3: Um, a bunch of confidential stuff. We we are. No one Have, listens to this, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, we're we're involved with um, some theme park oh, things. Cool. Oh, so cool. Oh, uh, very cool. Very wild um, things in development there. And um, uh, then we are also doing... We just finished a film called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then Killed the Bigfoot. <laughs> um, and... Starring <laughs> Sam Elliott. So it's Holy uh, crap. Yeah. damn. yeah, It's uh it's an odd uh indie film that we uh you know, I what I'm one of the project coordinators and the other coordinators handle um uh, the much bigger projects and I kind of am handed the, the smaller indie projects and so I was handed that one and uh, aka
1: more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I think it's all interesting but the um and then we finished a film called The Empty Man that is it's still in post production
4: mm-hmm.
3: um that's sort of a spirit apparition kind of film that well, looks one pretty the,
1: One of the things that I that I've thought is really cool is that at a at a time when you see um well established shops um going away um Spectral Motion has always been—they've been there, and they've always been making amazing things. Whatever your feelings are about Lady in the Water, mm-hmm. the <laughs> stuff that Spectral oh, Motion did—holy shit! Right? Yeah, it's it great. Like that stuff is amazing.
3: That is it. It is amazing stuff. That the dog, the the wolf that's made out of grass, grass yeah. called Scrunt. Yeah, it was amazing. That's it's yeah. nuts. It's
2: insane. Uh, I. I Can you confirm or deny working on sequels to Pacific Rim or Stranger Things?
3: Um, we are. So yeah, we did the Demogorgon for Stranger Things.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, By the way, are you working on the second season?
3: We, uh, I, I can't confirm.
2: Okay. Wink, wink, wink. No. Okay. <laughs> okay I just, I, okay. I, don't mean to put you on the spot, but I just saw that on your I di- Totally means to put
1: you on the spot. <laughs> that's
2: my, that's my old Fango thing. Like always, they always used to talk about like at the end, hit him on something that, that you may get a scoop. All right. I tried. I apologize for that. Sir. Well, dude, you are again. We say this all the time, but you are welcome back. You here are welcome anytime. Back anytime, at all.
1: anytime. And by the way, tell Shannon.
2: We want him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the other thing. I'll pitch it to yeah. him right now. Yeah. You, yeah. me, Langley, Baba. Oh, just an episode on Baba. That yeah. would be amazing. You want to do that? That we'll oh, would be fantastic. All righty, buddy. Thank you so much again. And uh, uh, we're going to be back in a minute. we're back so that was awesome <laughs> how
1: cool is that i i you know um one of the great things and and we've said this about different people on this show one of the great things uh about kevin is um not only is uh the shit that he's doing really fucking cool mm-hmm. um but he's a super super nice guy yeah, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
2: and that's always cool uh so moving on to our regular stuff uh let's start with who died um I don't know, this is this is a name I hadn't thought of in a long time. Dan Huelbeck, guitar player and founder of Molly Hatchet. Oh. Um if you've ever heard
1: I didn't see that.
2: Yeah. If you yeah. ever heard flirting with
1: disaster. <laughs> and who hasn't? And who hasn't? <laughs> <laughs>
2: but uh Molly Hatchet in, cut from the same cloth as bands like leonard Skinner and 38 right. Special. southern fried rock yeah, yeah 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 uh notable for their boris vallejo covers and an, at least one for cover yeah, yeah 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 uh um i'm i grew up around a lot of like southern rock yeah you know Skinner was really big in my high school sure stuff. did I. um and uh me- measured doses yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get the little too once we get to things like Jackal where there's a I don't know if you've ever heard Jackal. There's a Jackal is a band that was like like a band. Yeah. And literally in the middle of a song he does a guitar solo, I'm doing air chords, guitar solo with a chainsaw. So the chainsaw's going rawr, 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 rawr. It's the funniest thing in the world. I forget the Wait, name of the song. Is
1: it? Lumberjack? Lumberjack. It might it, be. I'm
2: a lumberjack. Yeah yeah yeah, a, yeah, yeah. One one yeah, 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 yeah. It might <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he does this guitar solo with a with a chainsaw, and uh, so look that up. I know that's all over YouTube. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, another musician. I'm gonna fuck this guy's name. up, Holger Zuke. He was a solo artist. He was in the band, the prog rock band Can. you remember mm-hmm. Can? Sure. Can was in that level of bands like. You know, gentle giant and renaissance and, you know, right. Um, kraut rock. Yes. Is what they call it. Uh, we're going to keep, there's a lot of musicians. We're going to buzz through them. Um, Don Williams, country great Don Williams. Yeah.
1: That, that was, that was one that kind of like, oh, I hadn't thought about that guy in
2: decades.
1: Right. And, uh, but I remember for, I don't know, a couple years at least, he was kind of ubiquitous in our house. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just remember the, the 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 denim. Always had the denim jacket. <laughs>
4: yeah,
1: he was
2: like those one of those guys that like he never hit the big time, right? But you know there was a there was a point in in Tom's youth where uh, uh, I, I wanted to hear everything. So like, if, and it still happens to this day. If there's a brand, style of music, or a band that I just don't get, but they've got this following, right? I I try to. Educate myself on yeah. this stuff. Um, and at, at a time when I used to say that country music was an oxymoron, right. um, that I thought, well, I'm not being fair. Mm-hmm. And one of the bands or one of the people I walked away with with a great love from that is, one was Don Williams, uh, the other was um, Conway Twitty, you know, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Um, Porter Wagner, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, uh, it's a good Good old country. I
1: think the reason why Don Williams was so big in our household for a while was I think my mom had a huge crush on him. Really? I think so.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to. Yeah. There's. Um. She weird liked, to think like that, right? Yeah. yeah, it is. It is weird. Like I'm trying to think right now. Who did my yeah. mom have a, like a like celebrity crush on? Yeah. Because you know she did.
1: Everybody did. Yeah, know she did. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's, it's but it's weird we to think can... of your mom going like, "Yeah, I'd, I'd knock the dust off that guy." Yeah, yeah. You
4: can
1: park your boots under my bed.
2: <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, I'll, another musician. This is a big one. Walter Becker from Steely Dan. Yeah, that
1: that I, weirdly, weirdly, that one was like a punch. To yeah, me. weird, right? Yeah, because you know. Steely Dan Steely Dan is one of those bands that I find that um you either really dig them mm-hmm. or they're this kind of uh almost elevator music, yeah you, I was going to say Muzak, yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um Becker described their music as Muzak mm-hmm. at one point, um, well, I
2: think it's hard because Steely Dan has such the fingerprint of Donald Fagan. That you forget how important Becker was.
1: Becker was huge. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: and I know there was a history. There was a point where they didn't work together for a while. Uh, it had a lot to do with Becker had a drug problem, uh-huh. uh, but he had gotten better. And I used to be was always told that uh, Steely Dan didn't tour, and then now they the, yeah they they're were touring, touring and... for the
1: last several years. Yeah,
2: <clears throat> yeah, great stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I always did think of Steely Dan as an uh, an album
2: band, mm-hmm.
1: you know, a studio band. Um and I and well and part of that is because really Steely Dan is Walter Becker and Donald Fagan with all these session musicians, yeah. awesome session yeah. musician they would musicians. They were grab
2: from everywhere. Yeah. They would grab, like, the New York guys, like Steve Gadd and Abraham Laboreal and stuff, and then they'd come into L.A. and get other guys that are producing stuff. And Jay Graydon, who's a guitar player, that uh, he produced a lot of the, the big, like, Manhattan transfer. Right. Like, he, he Even another guy, David Foster, wrote After the Love is Gone. Yeah. He said that he would come in there and they would play him, they wouldn't even play him the song, they would just play him, like, ten bars before, ten bars after, and I yeah. go, we just need a lick right there. Right there. And he would just go, delete, done. <laughs> <laughs> And then he'd do it a couple of times to give him some, a palette, yeah. you know. But it was really, I'm there to do this one guitar thing that, that I do it really well and they really aren't. Yeah. And it's just amazing to assemble well, and, music that and way.
1: And that, it is amazing to assemble music that way. And it is, it also speaks to them and how meticulous and the ear mm-hmm. that they had to go,
4: Oh,
2: you know who would do this part really well? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I also think that it's uh 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 it it was uh, their music was definitely like the soundtrack for Asia for oh my summer. god
1: Asia is it's it's huge my, it, it, that's a that's a desert island album
2: yeah absolutely me. I just listened to it the other day before I didn't even know you know he hadn't died yet and I was just like this record is is super good it's super uh, good. I'm gonna put you on the spot favorite Sealy dance song.
1: Uh Big Black Cow. Really? Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. I'm going early. I'm going Doctor Wu from Cadillac. You know what?
1: I also really dig this is what happens when you start doing this, right? Yeah. This is my favorite Oh wait, wait, like, oh. <laughs> uh, also early. I really like um I, I like um Any Major Dude. Yeah uh yeah, 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 yeah. It, my it, it's school. different uh, my old school it, it like it, it, that stuff i their stuff um is like a pillow yeah
4: yeah, yeah.
1: It, it, it it just feels really good also um i really really dig the guitar solo um in uh bodhisattva yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's one of the ones that I find myself playing air guitar. Yeah, to. that's a great song. that's
2: yeah. so great that if you go to... Here, here you go. If you go to Live in Poland by Toto, they do a version of it. Really? And it's really good. They do a version of uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps that's one of my favorite. Really? Better than Jeff Healy. You know, better than the, the original. Better than The Prince. Yeah. The Prince. The Prince. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving on. Um, this one... No one, I don't know. It's gonna. It's a little obscure. Korean filmmaker Kim uh, Kim Ki Duk, um, right, has a has a couple of movies out. A lot of movies out. There's one called The Bow or The Bow, I should say. Uh Um, But there's a movie called Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring. Right. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's so it's so sort of Zen Buddhist. Right. You know, it's about a young guy who goes to live with an old monk in the middle of nowhere. And spend—it's about the year and change mm-hmm. that happen as they. Um, true story? I don't know about that. Uh-huh. But uh, he also did a movie called Three Iron that is really good about about a, a, an affair. But um, he. Spring, uh, spring, summer, fall, winter—spring is just one of the most beautiful films of all time. Cool. It has that great sort of—we're not in a hurry. Right. To go that way. Right, right. And then the other thing, finally, this is not someone who died, but I just read this yesterday. Barbara Walters has gone into seclusion with a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. Right. And that kind of bums me out. Sure. Uh, she
1: was, again, you know, uh, at one time,
2: everywhere. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to eulogize the woman and she hasn't died yet. Right, but right. someone who, it's always, I don't know, it's hard when someone who has gotten by so well on their their intellect and their wit right and then to have that all begin to slip through one's hands for
1: me it's it's losing uh, although uh and i and i guess this speaks to how strong memory is to us um barbara walters hasn't done anything on television for a long time
2: but she was still making appearances on the view and sure, still pulling sure. a
1: paycheck from the view, well, right? Yeah, but as far as like the Barbara Walter special, oh, and, sure. that, and that type of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, in my mind, she's she's one of those familiar faces in the house. Mm-hmm. She's like Walter Cronkite, yeah. You know, and she's
2: just, so familiar that she was able to be characterized by oh, Gilda Radner um, and half a dozen anyone who yeah. does the Elmer Fudd voice, right, right. If you do Elmer Fudd, you can do Barbara Walter yeah. You know, yeah. um. Uh, but I, I'll always remember her talking to the, the Sean Connery interview where she asked him about, you once said like hitting a woman was okay. And it was just such a weird, yeah. weird moment. Um, but that, yeah, that really bummed me out for some reason. Oh, uh, let's see. Moving on to the news. Um, Fox is doing, you don't care about this, but Fox is doing, <laughs> Fox is doing an X-Force film with Deadpool and Cable directed by Drew Goddard. More, Guys in underwear fighting.
1: Good, good for them. I'm glad that I'm glad these guys can find work.
2: <laughs> it just seems I I don't know. At this point, I'm starting to lose not only interest but I'm starting to lose track of who's doing what to who and all of this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think I think eventually I do think eventually
1: the comic thing in film is going to. You know, a flame can only burn brightly for so long. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll always be that core audience that when, you, by the time you get down to, you know, fuck, I don't know, they're doing a, like a New Mutants and all this other stuff. And by the right. time you get to these, like, when we get, when we see a Freakazoid movie, <laughs> that's that is fucking saturation. Um, but I think they're they're still doing big money and as long as that happens you're yeah, that yeah, working well,
1: yeah on. I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon I just think that when it when it happens it's gonna happen hard yeah
2: and people are already looking we're, we're gonna get to it in a minute but yeah. but people are already looking for the next big thing yeah um, so there's that uh, the writers on Deadwood were interviewed the new Deadwood film that they're working on yeah. they're trying to get made right and they're saying um that their goal is that the film be a Valentine to Trixie and Al. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Well, kinda cool. Weird. That's kind of weird, weird, but but cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
2: down for anything. You know, I've I've not seen the whole series, but I've seen enough to know. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. Cool. Um, Netflix, not Netflix, but they're doing a prequel to One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, about a young Nurse Ratched, uh, which I think is kind of weird and beside the point. Right, exactly. I'm like, if you
1: were going to... Like, shouldn't you be looking at... Uh, a
2: young McMurphy,
1: right? Run, Yeah,
2: exactly. Let's because do a young Indian, bad Indian guy. That would be... <laughs> see, that that I'd get totally behind. Yeah, but name. Nurse Ratched, it just seems like... It, or a Chippy Subbell, or How I Became a Bitch. But right.
1: I'm, so I get... So I I guess that is kind of fascinating. It's like, how does, how does a person... What happened to her? Mm-hmm to make her that way. However, having said that, all of that stuff is beside it doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah.
2: I don't need to see the thing that soured her to know yeah. that it soured her.
1: I just Now that I now that I think about it because at first I'm like, "Well, that's kind of cool." And but now that I think about it, I'm like this is more just it's it's weird because usually you're mining um, mm-hmm. as if you're a studio, usually you're mining something that was a, a huge um, blockbuster. Yeah. You know? And now now you're mining this movie that's kind of lauded for it. Maybe that's a cool trend. That would be cool. Like, it's like, oh, you know, we start seeing, like, um,
2: oh, I don't know. Um, well, all of this, I lay at the feet of Gregory Maguire, who wrote Wicked. Yeah. Also at the feet of. Um, the guy that wrote Grendel, um, uh, John Gardner. John Gardner. Uh, the idea this that re- you you here's a property you know, and it's Rosencrantz and Golden. Yeah, or we're death. looking
1: at it from from this Somebody other else, perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'm, which is always, I'm, and I don't think that that's a, a, a bad thing at all. At, almost always, at the very least, it's interesting, and gives you a different take on a familiar property.
2: hmm Yeah, and there's always it's nice to see that they're like, yeah, there should be, you know, it's 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 home alone, right? It's learning the store backstory of the old man. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Uh at the Netflix there, were, there was there's this big thing about Disney pulling all of its product off of all streaming services for their own. Right. And there was talk about them um making some sort of dispensation for Netflix. Yeah, ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Disney thought, no, wait a minute. We're just going to do... We're going to take everything. They're taking all the animated, star, all Star Wars, um, all Marvel content... Right. ...to their streaming service. And I think that is the model that everyone seems to be embracing. That if like, you want MGM's product, you want one of our films, subscribe to our service.
1: And I think that that's going to work for companies really well mm-hmm. for a while.
2: For a while. And then... And someone's going to negotiate a conglomerate or a... Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Google will buy all these companies. (laughs) Google. (laughs) Yeah. One day Google is going to just own us all. Uh, Let's see. Well, uh, the reason why is because it's like, okay, so you've got a a streaming service available, Mm -hmm. Netflix, and now you've got... Uh, all these other streaming services available. And at some point, somebody is going to go, I can't afford all this. Yeah. And so I'm going to make a choice. And you're going to see numbers
2: all across the board drop. Well, they're already saying this last summer was the worst summer, revenue-wise, for Hollywood in years. Yeah. Well,
1: to be I think this summer was probably one of the bleakest as far as yeah. product. Yeah, when the
2: when when things that you point to as successes are things like you know, another Spider-Man film or, right. or what have you, and everything else that hit the theater was was kind of a disappointment. And for God's sakes,
1: can we get rid of this fucking model where your movie is, is a hit or a bomb based the first on weekend. two fucking nights. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. just like
2: yeah, it's crazy. They uh I think it's the admission by the studios and by the, the television entities that you guys are addicts. Look at the look at the rollout on the new Star Trek series. Sure. They're gonna put it out the first episode out on CBS and then the entire series migrates to the streaming service. Right. So it's like it's the classic drug dealer thing. Yeah. The first one's free. Here's you your know. taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Fucking amazing. Um this is odd. Gavin O'Connor, who directed the uh, Warrior and the Accountant, um, is doing now doing Suicide Squad too.
1: Uh, I don't get. it. Don't of care, that shit.
2: but it's again, it's one of those. <laughs> I'm, I know, I'm trying. I really do try to stay away from a lot no, of this stuff. No, I know, I know. But I wanted to bring that because it, it's one of those things where if you've seen Warrior, which is an MMA movie, right. And you see Accountant, which is sort of an autistic John Wick. Yes. And then you throw Suicide Squad at it. It's one of those like. Oh, okay. Where? Maybe what? maybe it'll get us something different. Better. Better. Maybe yeah. <laughs> not so not so based in hot topic. Um, this excited me. CBS has developed a series based on uh, L. A. Confidential. Oh, sweet. Now, okay. That, now you're interested. Now I'm. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm paying attention. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because after Walking Dead, Frank Darabont had a series that was felt. I forget the name of it. Um, Dana Gould was in it. Uh, John Bernthal was in it. Um, I forget what it was called.
1: Dang it. I, I forget as well. I was very excited about it. Yeah. I
2: we talked about it. I don't yeah. know if we talked about it on the show, because who fucking remembers what we talked about on the show? But the idea that um something said in the 30s, said in the 40s. right? A lot of, you know, guys calling women Danes and, you know, yeah. sm- a lot of smoking. and Thompson machine guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, he, So... Yeah, L.A. Confidential series, sure. Oh my god! Sure, throw a little Chinatown in Man, there. Man, I
1: I I haven't watched that movie in a while. I yeah, really, it's a great. It's movie. a great, but I I I dearly love that okay. movie.
2: And Elmore Leonard, you know. Yeah, you can't yeah. go wrong. With no, uh, no, no. Um,
1: that Anthony was Hull- the first time I saw James Cromwell as a villain. Yeah, I fucking so knocked him out bit. of the park. Yeah, he's yeah. so
2: good. And then you see him in Babe, and you go, Oh, wait! <laughs> <laughs> um, Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan Price in a movie Netflix doing about called The Pope, with Jonathan Price playing the Pope. Sure. Uh,
4: whatever. <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess. get that.
2: Netflix, it's it's weird when you go through their new releases. Like I have to go through them once a week because they start throwing shit up, and more and more you're starting to see their Netflix logo on the side. Yeah. So they're just pumping content. They
1: are pumping content. I, it worries me because I, I, at first, I was really encouraged. I'm like, cool, somebody's mm-hmm. making their own shit, and they have their own distribution. Yeah. You know, and so they're they're in, c- they're in control. Yeah. But I also feel like. Whoa, slow down a little yeah. bit because yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
2: not not every comic in LA and New York deserves a one-hour special. Uh-huh. The one thing I do like about the Netflix model is that as you look at their releases, they they're not they have a global perspective because there's like for example comedy specials which I watch a lot a lot of but a lot of them now are coming in and they're in Spanish. Sure. Or they I saw one that was in um Well, the, um,
1: the 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 um the Super Pig movie that I haven't watched yet cuz I don't want to cry. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah, okia. yeah. The Super uh, Pig movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It, it it literally brings together filmmakers from all over the world. All over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and that's fucking cool.
2: Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh let's see. Martin Campbell who directed Casino Royale is doing a modern telling of okay.
1: Alibaba in the 40s. Hold on. When you say Casino Royale... The the Daniel Craig. Okay. Because he... I love the first Casino Royale. Do yeah, you? Yeah, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's my favorite good. Bond.
2: Um, but I don't know that a modern-day Alibaba... Isn't that kind of, at the time, what kind of what Oliver was in a weird way? In a weird way? Yeah. But, but no, I just yeah, don't... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just... It sounds a lot like what we're seeing in the the TV version of um, gosh the thing Ellen Barkin's doing on TNT uh Animal Kingdom. Oh I don't I don't know. I think it's called Animal Kingdom. Oh anyway, Oh yeah, yeah, It's like a she, crime family yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, a thing. And right. this sound this yeah, okay. It's going to have no relation to uh, the famous, you know, uh Arabian Nights tale. I care not, sir. <laughs> 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 right, moving on. Um, they released a photo this week of Rami Malek from um, Mr. Robot. Right. Freddie Mercury. Hey, looks great. Looks great. Yeah. Um, don't I know keep
1: f- hearing all this stuff about like what story is being told and that a lot of people uh, are concerned that... It's not going to be about Freddie Mercury mm-hmm. like Freddie Mercury. If you
2: go on YouTube, you can find a video of Sacha Baron Cohen who was going to do it, right? And having a meeting, talking about, He's on Howard about having a meeting with the band, and the band was like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, uh, when Freddie dies midway through, <laughs> yeah." And they're like, "Wait a minute, like this," and their focus was like, "This is how people recover from a great tragedy sure. or loss," and it's like, "Yeah, but." I don't think any other anyone other than your mom doesn't care about that, (laughs) right?
1: I think it. I well, and and you know, I feel for for those guys because they were they were part of this band, Mm -hmm. but I also feel like Freddie Mercury could have fronted any band,
2: and and he did. He he was he went on his own for a while. Had a couple of solo records. Yeah, you know, he's the focus. He's the one. Brian May's a great guitar player. A weird guitar player. A weird guitar player. Um, that that uh, there are parts of things like *Night at the Opera* that yeah. are just so intricate and beautiful. But you know, no one's going. Uh, no one other than other guitarists are buying a Queen record for for, for uh, to listen to Brian. I don't know, May. That sounds it, dicky. I don't it, mean it, it to well. Be dicky. It's no,
1: no, no. But it's. But I think it's right. I think it's. I think it's correct to say. That Queen, um, and, and 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 I, I'm backing up a little bit because I was saying Freddie Mercury was the thing. Not entirely true. Queen has a very <laughs> definitive sound. Sure. Brian May, in particular. Yeah. You hear his guitar, you know exactly who that is. Absolutely. And, um, but I also. I think because of that, because all the elements, including Freddie Mercury, were so important to this. Once Freddie Mercury died, essentially that was the end of
2: pretty much that, well, remember, At
1: least, it, at least that Queen. You exactly. Know, yeah.
2: Well, before that, John Deacon was like, "Dude, I I ain't touring anymore. I got my own. I'm rich enough." Right. Exactly. You know. Uh, uh, and and
1: touring's a pain in the
2: ass. Yeah, but these guys. I mean, you know. I I've never understood why like Brian May hasn't I mean he's done a couple of solo things but I I don't know why he's not doing like instrumental things like a Joe Satriani kind of thing sure. or or whatever but um,
4: I don't know I don't
1: well know. I I I think I think largely because the only people who buy that stuff are other guitar players right right right, know, right right and, and there's so not there's that not that a lot of money
2: yeah yeah exactly made, yeah well there's yeah that's what burst the whole other thing up I, I was going to say that. One of my favorite guitar players is a guy named Steve Morris in a band called Dixie Dregs. Dixie Dregs are fine and dandy for guitar players, and when they tour, they sell out clubs. Mm-hmm. But he's also a man, He was a member of Kansas for a while. He right. Was, he's currently a member of, if you knew, a, there was a Deep Purple touring. <laughs> but he's touring with them. So you got to do the shit to make the money. You right. To pay your rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan Pell and Spike Lee okay. joining forces to do uh, a movie called Black Klansman. A true story about a uh, a black man who infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan. Um, into it because of Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, I worry that with Spike Lee's involvement, it's going to get a little preachy and a little high-handed. But um, I'm down with it. Um, I think it's a especially in these days. That's a that would be an interesting thing. Yeah. It's like in, and there's going to be a lot of that stuff the Thurgood Marshall movies sure, and sure. All yeah. Stuff. yeah, and then finally we were talking about it thirteen point five million on Thursday
1: right, <laughs> which is technically not its opening day right yeah, haven't read a bad review? nope, everybody that I have read um talking about it has uh to use your quote uh when we were up here has lost their shit over it. Every, mm-hmm. Everybody seems to really dig it. So I haven't seen it. I'm going to try to go see it over my weekend. Yeah. And uh I'm
2: cautiously optimistic. Agreed. I I love it because everyone's kind of saying the same thing and that is here's something I didn't know that I wanted, but now that I have it, I'm stoked. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the great stuff, and that's the kind of thing that I look forward because I think it it gives me hope for the future. Right. Well, <laughs> and it, and it
1: shows that that um, this is something that could have easily been horrible.
2: Uh, horrible. Yeah. It could it, have been Starship Troopers Five. Yeah. Or whatever.
1: And it sounds like, anyways, based on what everybody's saying, and I don't mean just the casual fan; I mm-hmm. mean uh, reviewers and 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 critics and people whose jobs i think are bullshit are all saying um that it's great yeah um so i'm excited for it you know and and when 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 they first announced it i was like dude i'm fine with the 1990s TV tv series a lot of people don't like it for i'm not sure exactly why
2: yeah they lose me with the spider when we sure. get to the spider, I'm like, really? You know,
1: and I'm trying to... I need to go back and look at the book, because it's, it's been... It ends in a spider. It, it does, right? right, the, right like right. a spider. It, it is a big... Big spider. Well, it's an, it's an alien. <laughs> yeah. And the form that it has is very similar to a spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that... And visually, that could be really cool, uh-huh. or it can be... Nah, it and could the, be a CG tiasco. TV- oh, yeah. could be. Uh could um, I did read where somebody was saying um, that they they didn't like the CG that was employed with the, with Pennywise oh. and some of his movements and stuff. Okay. Um, having said that, they said that's such Quibbling. a such a pebble in the road compared to how good the rest of it is. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter.
3: What I
2: find interesting is is that the thing it's kind of like Ben Affleck as Batman. The thing that you thought was going to super suck right. is the thing that everyone's loving. I've already seen within, what is it, a couple of days now, I'm seeing tutorials online on how to do the makeup. right. I predict that this characterization of Pennywise is going to eclipse the Tim Curry one, to be honest. I think that um, this year you're going to see, and this is something I said outside, but uh, you're going to see two big Halloween costumes, Harley Quinn's going to continue, and you're going to see a shit ton of Pennywise, a or at the very least, clowns. evil Clowns. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I love. I yeah. love that. I love that. Here's, But here's the thing about why I bring it up. Um, two thoughts. Number one, remember that Carrie Fukunaga was supposed to do this, the guy from right. True, True Detective. Right, right, right. And I'd really love to see that. Yeah. Um, He's doing... The TNT thing, the the Alchemist, the based on the Caleb Carr book. I I called it the alienist. The alienist. The alienist. What did I say? The Alchemist. Oh, sorry. The alienist. Uh, Yeah, it's um, it's like Victorian CSI. Very exciting. Very very cool. But uh, direct it director Andy Muschietti is doing a Bram Stoker's Dracula prequel next, or it's in his roster. Here's the question I have is okay, isn't that? The sexy Dracula, Hammer reboot wasn't <laughs> that what that was? Well, kind of,
1: yeah. I, I read a book. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but it was the first. It was the it was my first scouting trip to Oregon. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sorry, to Washington to see if I liked it up here.
4: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, I bought a book, and I bought a book called Renfield.
2: Oh okay yeah. And speaking of uh, speaking of revisionist yeah, 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 takes yeah.
1: on on yeah, games, yeah, yeah. and it was Dracula told through Renfield's eyes. Yeah, Renfield. Oh,
2: eyes. that'd be great. And,
1: oh, it's a, it's a very cool book. You uh. should definitely check it out. I can't remember who wrote it, um, yeah, but it was it. but it was good. Um, and um, I like the idea of these other um, uh, viewpoints mm-hmm. for Dracula. Um, Dracula, in and of itself, Bram Stoker's Dracula, is kind of that because it's a conglomeration of letters and journal entries yeah, yeah, yeah. And from which the,
2: which the book is. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so, uh, uh, sure, why not? What, uh, it, well,
2: it, based on what he did with it, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. If it wasn't this guy, I may not be a little more as welcoming. Right. Um, sidebar on the book thing: there's another book. Called the Dracula Tape by Fred Soberhagen, uh-huh. where essentially it's kind of like Interview with a Vampire, but it's with Dracula. Right. The greatest thing that in that is that Dracula puts forth that he didn't kill um, Lucy, whoever it was that died, no, right. yeah, yeah. Lucy or Mina. It depends on which version it is. He didn't kill him, kill that girl. Van Helsing did because as soon as he noticed that there was she was lacking the blood that I took. Right. He started randomly giving her blood transfusions with no thought to blood type. Right, right. And I'm right. all That's yeah. fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um it's like this story I just read about um 300 the immortals, Xerxes the immortals being right. zombies. Being zombies. Man, I yeah. just thought that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh let's see. Moving on to trailers. Um we'll start with something called Cold Moon. From the writer of Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, Doesn't look like a comedy. Oh, God, no. Looks solid, right? Dude, uh, you know,
1: we often, um, being curmudgeons, (laughs) you more than I, uh, (laughs) I have a tendency to say, to to have this kind of doom and gloom feeling like, man, everything sucks. Yeah. Everything's like crap. This week's trailers makes me step back and go, everything doesn't suck.
2: Yeah. Oh, it, I weeded it, through it, a it, lot. It's sucks. It's, it's
1: what is playing at the big theater that's making all the yeah. money that sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: There was thirty something again. Jesus this Christ. Week. Yeah. yeah.
1: The, this is the This stuff tra- I do for you people. <laughs> this this trailer, uh, uh, this movie hits m- Langley's. Yeah, it looks super on so good. many levels. It looks great. It yeah. looks like a fantastic ghost story. The only complaint I have about this trailer is I think they told us the whole thing. I oh, did we, they? I, yeah, I think we know exactly what happens through the whole I'm, movie. I'm
2: kind like, let's say like another ghost story, Crimson Tide, not Crimson Tide, Crimson, Crimson Peak. Peak. Uh, <laughs> Different movie, huh? Um, but you kind of got all of, all you needed in the trailer on that one too, right? Yeah, and it was
1: still a good yeah, time. It was still a good time. I, I I'm really looking forward to it. What was the title again?
2: Uh, <laughs> Cold Moon. Uh, by the way, if you go to the show's Facebook page, um, and I'm posting, you're posting the uh, all, all the, the trailers of yeah. all the trailers that we're talking about. So go there. Um, yeah, I think it looks great. Mm-hmm. uh South American film called Woodpeckers. I think it's South American. It feels South American. A well, uh, love triangle in a prison.
1: Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Very
2: interesting. The idea that these people talk to the women side of the prison by
1: using sign language. Because they're at a great distance. Yeah. And, 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 and our, uh, I'm assuming, protagonist mm-hmm. is sent to... Send messages to this this
2: other guy. Yeah, it's like a drug lord or something. So, somebody who, is, who can't speak sign language, but so he gets his guy to. Right. And in classic, almost Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. Him and the girl that he's yeah, relaying the message to, they start Because the, to, start the drug lord is a drug lord and kind of a shit Dude, The idea that you can fall in love from, like,
1: sure. you know, hundreds of feet away from each other.
2: Yeah,
4: uh, it, yeah. It, it
1: looks great. I'm really excited for this. Very cool.
2: Yeah, uh, it is in Spanish or Portuguese, one of the two. I didn't really decipher. It's, it's, hard um, it's hard to say.
1: It's hard. I'm guessing. I'm guessing Portuguese. I'm thinking maybe it's Brazil. I, I, I it's gotta, got a great I, feel. I have to look. I have to look it up. Yeah, I, it I just made. didn't catch it. But it looks. So that's all woodpeckers. Yeah, and that's really great. super interesting.
2: Um. Second trailer for a Murder Mystery with Michael Fassbender called The Snowman. I was going to say,
1: you're probably not going to find woodpeckers at your local multiplex.
2: No, it'll be Art House. Yeah. Uh, or it may go straight to VOD or something like uh, that. Yeah. But it's a foreign film, so who knows. Uh, the Snowman. Um, I was kind of on board on the first one. Right. I'm kind of more on board now. I like the 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 unveiling of what the killer's about and, and what the whole... Yeah, because the first one... Um,
1: Kind of just showed you that there's killing happening, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and this
2: one uh, reveals a little more. Ge- the first one felt like generic serial killer right flick. This one there's more of there's more of an intricate to intricacy to it. Yeah, and it looks good. Uh,
1: it, it, it reminds me, um, I, I, just based on the trailers, I would put this in the horror category. In as much as, I think Silence of the Lambs is a horror film. Yeah, Yeah. or
2: Red Dragon, or right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Next documentary on whether it's okay to make humor, make humor, but make humor about the Holocaust. It's called um, The Last Laugh.
1: Right. Uh, Looks super good. Yeah. Um, Really interested. I think it's a it's a fascinating topic where uh, um, and, and I think on the filmmakers part it's uh, a it was a really good idea and maybe these are the only people who can get away with it but the majority of those folks are Jewish mm-hmm. and they're
2: it's people like Judy Gold and Gilbert Gottfried and um, a ton of other people Carl, Carl Reiner. Reiner yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah Sarah
1: yeah. Silverman and
2: um, the idea that it's and I think it uses it as a touchstone for other things where comedy that's, I don't know, about too soon or, or it makes it, it's like 9-11 jokes.
1: It's the way of dealing with this horrible, mm-hmm. horrible thing in real life. Yeah. And 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 kind of taking, um, I don't know, taking the, the power away from it mm-hmm. um, in a good way. Uh, yeah. One I remember. One of the the to, to kind of give you guys an idea. It's 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 a uh, uh, it's looks like interviews with a lot of different A lot um, of talking heads. A lot of talking heads, uh, comedians, um, and they're giving examples of mm-hmm. Holocaust jokes. Yeah, the type of thing that if you and I said it, we would be we'd be railroaded out of town. Sure. Um, but because these folks are Jewish, not only not only are you allowed to laugh at it mm-hmm. um but it also i don't know there's like this this i don't know um quiet, strong dignity to it,
4: it yeah, you know, it's the
2: idea of like I'm strong despite this right. uh the, judy gold there's a, there's a joke about she she wonders about whether she was lying in line to get on the in into go into the showers if she'd hold her stomach in right exactly, <laughs> which I think it addresses the humor that. Cuts through the intellect, hits the funny bone, and you laugh, and then maybe you feel a little bad about it. Right? The fact.
1: Exactly. It, uh, well, you know what it does? It's a, it's a straight, it's a straight arrow to, humanness, mm-hmm. because, that's ex, that's that's humanity, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. a, like that very question. You know, if I'm standing naked in line to go to the gas chamber. Would I hold my stomach in? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's one of those things that you, uh, but I also feel like it's not too inside. It's not no. too inside no, that, no, that no. you have to be to be Jewish yeah. to get it. So I think it's it looks great. Bottom line is, yeah, this, this it looks also fantastic. looks kind of what I call nutsy boltsy comedy stuff. It's like there's a podcast, another podcast called Kill Tony that really gets into comedy and starts to. Right. Look at how the pieces work.
1: Why is it funny when the guy slips on the banana? Right, 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 right.
2: Uh, next up, um, another Netflix movie, but Carla Gugino in Gerald's Game. Uh, this looks great. Way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I thought. Yeah, I. As soon as. I'm as not a, too much of a fan of the book.
0: The book. But this looks solid.
1: The book for me is. Great up to a point, mm-hmm. and then it kind of it fizzles well, for me. Yeah, but, but I the premise—the like premise—I I feel like that the premise is like like it would have been an amazing short story.
2: Yeah, yeah, know? it's a little drawn out. Yeah, um, and it gets a little too. There's... that all said. There's a part of me that when I hear Stephen King wrote a novel that even obliquely looks at. B and D and DNS. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, that's a tourist book. That's someone who doesn't sure doesn't yeah. doesn't he, get it. He's yeah. not someone like let's say um, Krista Faust. Krista Faust used to work as a professional do- dominatrix. Right. So when she writes in a book called Control Freak, when she writes about dominant sessions and dominance, the dominant sort of interplay, right. it rings of true. Right. <sighs> King. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just don't know. Well... No. I just don't think it rings as true as it probably could have. But I also think it need that book, if any book, needs to be tightened. Well,
1: I would also say that Gerald's Game, if you look at it, uh, I don't know, maybe through the wrong lens, mm-hmm. is an indictment of BDSM. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I can it, see that. Where he he may and and i get that from the trailer as well Mm -hmm. um she has regrets yeah yeah she's like she's she's, yeah she's like yeah she's like is this what it takes now and that's almost almost kind of saying this is bad we're doing something bad yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. Um, right it just feels like uh, it points to look god damn it (laughs) safe words (laughs) <laughs> consent <laughs> are important yeah. consent's important and not using restraints that you can't get out of on your own know, if right? the chips are down right. yeah 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 uh,
2: yeah exactly and I feel like King does a, sometimes a lot of that he he feels compelled to include sex scenes in his books but they're always weird and they awkward they always
1: feel yeah they're, they're always stilted it's like your
2: parents fucking it's, dude it just doesn't make sense
1: talking about it the yeah. whole weird
2: yeah, the scene they cut out of the movie. Just, gang bang. It, 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 a, it, yeah, there's like a. Yeah, it's not a gang, gang, gang bang,
0: bang, but not Yeah, it's gang bang. Yeah, it's just. But it's
2: definitely. It's. There, I, I hate to say this, but it's <laughs> definitely a train. I think we talked pulled. about
1: this during the 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 uh, king the, the, the king episode. It's yeah, yeah, like, like here he is, and he's awesome. And then there's this one paintbrush stroke. Yeah. Of like. What I, I just don't—it it.
2: just feels weird, and 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 so yeah, Gerald's game. I think it's it's going to be solid. I don't know how it's going to wind up.
1: It looks great. I I I love her uh, gar- Calling us gar- back really that, <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, other I, road. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Uh, Christian Bale Western called Hostels. They say this is the thing that's going to get him an Oscar. Um.
1: It looks like it has the potential. It looks like a Western. It, it looks like a Western and it looks like a it looks like a Western that's dealing with deeper mm-hmm. issues than there's the bad guy. Let's go get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh and I'm always I'm always I'm down, down for any that. Western. Yeah. Especially
2: yeah. because I haven't had one in a while.
1: Yeah. Especially a good one. It looks cool. Uh I don't know exactly what it's about, but right. based on the title mm-hmm. and some of the scenes I'm guessing that someone is questioning our mission. Yeah. Which is to go and get rid of these hostiles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Feels,
2: kinda, dances with wolves yeah. and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Also, it's not as gritty as, like, the proposition. Like, no, but nothing but it, is as gritty as the proposition. <laughs> Next up, period piece from the writer of the orphanage called Marrowbone. Um, uh, boy, this was this one's a hard one for me, because... Again,
1: I don't know exactly what's going on. Don't know like, what's
2: going on. Kind of interested.
1: Yeah, it, it it looks simultaneously like a a story about about these kids in, that that have this like really intense view of family mm-hmm. that are living on their own.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't, was there a father figure? Like I couldn't really hard tell. Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, it looked really good. The fact that. The fact that I cut all these down from 35, these are the ones that I feel always feel like they're at least interesting. Yeah, these look good. So I would say to people, like, go to the playlist and um, and take a look at this for yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm interested. I don't know that I'll go to the theater, I but can't I'll tell, definitely watch it. I can't it. tell
1: if there's a, a ghost
4: involved. Yeah, it's
1: there's this weird There's Is there some element. weird supernatural element? It seems like. Maybe not. Maybe I don't know.
2: That. Um it looks fucking cool yeah and super interesting it looks solid yeah I'm super interested uh next up World War II sort of PTSD racial drama dude that looks
1: fucking badass too it's
2: great I I was like fucking A man uh one of the major parts of the trailer a white guy returning from the war clearly has PTSD right and he uh, seems like he's helped by a a a black guy who's also
1: also suffering from PTSD yeah and uh and then the static that comes from sure. their friendship. Of
2: any kind of interaction. Right. At that time, in the late 40s, right. any interaction between a, you know, a, 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 uh, someone who was white yeah. and someone who was African it, American.
1: It, it looks badass. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, it looks absolutely great.
2: Um, I
1: forgot. What was the title? of Mudbound. That? Mudbound, that's right. Uh,
2: next up documentary on a, a guy accused of murder called Strong Island, another Netflix thing. Netflix is killing this stuff. Yeah. You know, this is, looks like another, so- along the lines of the Promise Keepers and right. and the one on um, the making of the serial killer dude, the, uh, I forget what it's called, yeah. Memoirs of a Murder or something like that. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. whatever it was. Um, uh, this looks like more of the same. Yeah. Someone wrongly accused, someone tearing apart. Sidebar in this, there's a, another trailer I saw about a dude that was accused, I forget the title of it, god damn it. Um dude's accused of murder, and it turns out that he said he was at a baseball game and the only the only evidence they have is they were shooting Your enthusiasm there the same day, and so they're going through all this footage trying to find any image of him
1: at, uh, at the game as
2: an I as an alibi. The name of it. yeah as an alibi right. I forget the name of it, but it again same sort of thing wrongly accused looking for uh uh some answers. Yeah, um, looks great. Yeah, this looks really. This solid.
1: is the one where we're talking to the
2: family members, right? Uh, right, right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, next up, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Michael Shannon in a film called The Current War. Fuck yeah! Didn't know I wanted this, but yeah. I do. Yeah, it yeah. looks great. I love Tesla being sort of revealed as like almost a superhero in yeah. a weird way. Yeah. Um Cumberbatch definitely in touring mode the, the 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 last film he did about breaking the code i forget the name of it oh the imitation game imitation game yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he's kind of in that mode what a great great movie great movie that was uh michael shannon definitely in stern mode you know almost zod mode in a yeah. way um, Amazing! Looks it, it, great. It, it looks fantastic.
1: It's so weird because I just watched the Prestige like I was gonna say like I don't know three, five times like in yeah, the yeah, last yeah. two weeks, and uh, I was just thinking it's like man I I would like more of this this yeah whatever What's this our, is yeah, I want
2: more of yeah. it. What was the other thing? That this was, is, uh, The
1: Illusionist. Also felt dude, that The Illusionist is badass. Yeah. That is a cool You're movie. Ed, yeah, Edward yeah, yeah. Norton. I don't enjoy him in everything, uh-huh. but in the majority of the stuff he does, uh-huh. he's great. We haven't seen something from him in a while, have we?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think he took all that Marvel money and just fucked off. He's like, yeah. I'm the Hulk. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, movie called Wetlands. Heather Graham, and I'm not even going to try this name. Um, Adewale Akinnu, uh, he's the the guy with the little hat from Oz. Yes, <laughs> he was on Lost. Um, yes.
0: This looks solid as fuck. This yeah, too, it looks
2: great. Even with Heather Graham in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: this as far as I can piece together it's the story of a black man who had a child with a white woman. Mm-hmm. Things happen. He's yeah, and he yeah. he has uh uh substance abuse issues. Mhm. Flash forward several years. Now he's he's sober and he's yeah. trying to uh, reconnect, but there's other shit going on, um, yeah. as there always is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Feels a little like Luther, the Just Elba thing, but a little also different. I'm in. I'm in. I, uh, this is another great. movie I didn't know I wanted. This is th-
1: uh, this week. I can't think of a trailer that i didn't go "Eh, don't care
2: yeah i agree these these were all great but there were plenty and there were plenty in there i'm (laughs) i'm already like 10 deep for next you're doing god's work i know (laughs) again i'm taking bullet. and then finally um a movie called jungle it's essentially i call it harry potter in the amazon it's yeah looks great it looks great almost looks it's a survival tale As far as I can tell. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is a dude. He's world traveling. There's a line he says, I was going to travel for a year, but I don't think I'm going back. Um, Mm -hmm. He meets a guy, him and his friends. They lead him out in the middle of nowhere in the Amazon, and the guy just disappears. He just disappears and leaves him. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason. I I get the impression that there was some sort of shitty, like maybe an argument the night before or whatever. And they wake up, and he's fucking gone. Well,
1: at one point, he, he... It's kind of espousing his philosophy that you know humans are a cancer on right. nature, and we deserve to, to die. Mm-hmm. And, then he, and then he fucking disappears with these college kids yeah. who don't know the Amazon. Don't know shit. Don't oh, know shit, and, yeah, they're, yeah. and they're stuck out in the middle of nowhere. And of course, all the drama that that leads to.
2: Yeah, it looks like, um, it almost has a feel of a third world cannibal film. Sure. Which I don't know that they're going to run into cannibals. But it also looks like one of those projects where, you know, Daniel Radcliffe has been doing a lot of them. Where it's like, I'm jumping in with both feet. Yeah.
1: By the way, I I, I want to fully applaud um, Daniel Radcliffe. Because Mm -hmm. he could have easily taken the easy way out. Oh, yeah. again, he's probably richer than God. Sure. The Harry Potter Potter money alone.
2: But here's the thing: it's always been the same thing in the books. You look at look at Daniel Radcliffe's career and look at Rupert Grint's career. Right. You know, w- one has definitely made some interesting choices, and the other one, uh, he he got huge. Ron yeah. Weasley got fucking buff yeah. after after the Harry Potter thing ended. Yeah. Um, there's a great thing on YouTube if you look it up. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe from memory reciting. The rap song, it's the Alphabet. Oh yeah, yeah, and he yeah, fucking yeah. Nails. It. Yeah. Um. He does a lot of things like it. Uh, Fantastic Fest. He'll come in there and do. He's like, the what's his name, Toby McGuire. Where he's kind of a fanboy. Videos of him going to San Diego Comic Con dressed as Spider Man. Yeah. Just yeah. awesome. I'm a uh, fan. I, I find myself being a fan in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh. Almost all the projects that he's done since. Mm-hmm. The Harry Potter films,
2: Swiss Army Man, alone. Swiss
1: Army Man is amazing. Now I know there are people who say that they were just trolling people. That like you know we're gonna we're gonna make people really like this movie about this farting dead body.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: when you watch the movie, you're fucking like, this is fucking great. Yeah, it's really compelling. It is a really compelling view of. Um, this guy, I don't know, for for lack of a better word, having to cope with, um, loss. Yeah, the oh.
2: dude's, the main dude, I forget his name, is, uh... Paul Dano. In, Paul Dano. Um, kind of suicidal. And in yeah. a way, finds his way back through his interaction with this farting with his... dead guy. Yeah. But, um, the, this, I... this jungle thing, it's just... It's Harry Potter in mud up to his ears, yeah. being dragged through shit, and it look it has a feel kind of, of like I say a third world comic book film, also kind of like The Revenant. In a I weird was way. just gonna
1: say The Revenant, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, yeah. because you're having to you're having to pull yourself up, yeah, when you don't want to, when and it hurts clearly when everyone
2: doesn't make it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> out yeah, like. yeah.
1: Yeah, it looks great. By the way, I, I don't know if we ever talked about this. What did you think of Horns?
2: I Horns was solid. I like Joe Hill. Well, I, well, I don't mean the book. Right, I mean the, the movie. movie. I mean the movie um, well, because the
1: book is great. I yeah. I think the book is, is yeah 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 fantastic. Joe Hill rocks. I,
2: what's the? I, whenever his name comes up, I'm sure I always mention this. The the he wrote a story set in a movie theater. Um, God damn it, I forget what it was called, but it's it's really good. Ghosts of something. Anyway, okay. look it up but it's great um the theater is closing and this guy works as an usher kind of a thing mm-hmm. and when the movie starts he's up in the balcony and the balcony starts filling up with all of these ghosts and, and mm-hmm. from the past and it's a great story but horns he's again that was the one where you kind of go there's more to this kid than just Harry potter patronus and yeah you know whatever
1: by the way, Patronus, wouldn't that be a great name for uh, a liquor?
2: <laughs> <laughs> It'll make you see things. They're spirit animal. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I, so, yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, moving on, let's go to some recommendations. you see anything? Or are you working still? A lot of work doing stuff? A lot of
1: work. The, uh, you said um, you
2: watched The Prestige.
1: Yeah, I... I, I, I uh, part of my movie watching experience these days is sharing movies that I oh yeah Yeah. no, that's great with with Jennifer yeah and that's a that's that's big like I I I get off whenever somebody when I really like when I everybody does this right it's like there's something that you love and you share it with someone Uh and they love it too and then you're like yes yeah sometimes it backfires because and when they
2: don't love it you gotta reassess your entire life exactly (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) well like like I showed her the last dragon.
2: I'm with her on this one, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, it was not met with enthusiasm. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah." All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, it's great. That that's the best.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So I have watched a lot of the prestige. Uh, I recently, uh, we've talked about this many times. Both you and I have a hard time watching episodic television. Mm-hmm. Not because we think things are necessarily bad, but because we just don't have the fucking yeah. time. Um, but I did watch, um, at least uh, obliquely, um, uh, the first episode of American Gods. Oh, okay. Holy fuck. It's good, right? It, it's fucking awesome. Right on. It's great. Yeah. And now my... app it's like you're saying like a drug dealer now my appetite is wet and and I want to watch more Um, you know the big thing is when you find the time the cool thing with the way television series are now it doesn't matter when you have the time when you have the time you can watch it It
2: if you 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 don't don't have have to be present Thursday night at you know 8 o'clock if you don't have the time you can wait 6 months and it'll be out on streaming or Hulu or whatever else
1: but but American Gods fucking uh, in my opinion better than the book
2: right on yeah Wow, that's something. Uh, that reminded me of something I'm gonna get to in a second. My week of movie watching has been utter shit. <laughs> I've been I've, I've been I've been tracking that. <laughs> um, Lovely Molly by Eduardo Sanchez. Here's a mini review. Go watch See Altered instead. He did uh, Blair Witch. Right. The Wrong Guy. This thing with Dave Foley that is like oral surgery. <laughs> Don't ask me why, but I watched Danny Trejo in Badass as that. Amber Lamp's guy? I know
1: exactly why, because Danny Trejo had come out with that thing talking about uh, actors doing their own stunts. Yeah! That's Fuck why. Fuck that
2: guy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was saying that, like, oh, yeah, you get trained professionals and blah, blah, blah. And my argument has always been, I when I see Tom Cruise strapped to the side of a plane a thousand feet in the air, I think... It's, it makes me think he... like him even more. I think... Um...
1: I get what what Danny Trejo was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh here are guys who clearly do this better than I do. Right. Um why not let them do their thing? I also love when an actor puts in the extra work and learns how to do shit themselves. One of the great things about um the Matrix Mhm. Um, Well, we'll just say Keanu
2: Reeves in general. In general. I was just going to say, look at John Wick. Seeing him throw people and punch people, it makes it better. Now, having said
1: that, going back to The Matrix, which was the first time that I think any of this kind of stuff was Mm -hmm. happening for him, I don't know i think that was probably a director's decision it's like we know we need the fucking actors doing this stuff so yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. I was, you guys are fucking in martial arts boot camp yeah. for the next six months may i
2: introduce Wu ping yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah um and he, i think keanu went a i dig this and b it's given me um loft yeah. in my career yeah absolutely and, and people think i'm a badass now yeah It's the same thing. I was blown away. I may have mentioned this. I know I mentioned this to you privately. I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but I was listening to Jim and Sam's show, and they were talking to Jason Statham. To learn that Jason Statham has zero martial arts background blows me away. But seeing him in the scene doing it, there's this level of credibility there that that I appreciate. I
1: think think it is Western filmmakers um, recognizing The practice of Asian filmmakers, in that you're gonna you're gonna learn how to sing, mm-hmm. you're gonna learn how to dance, mm-hmm. you're gonna be an actor. It's also return gonna, to the studio system. Exactly. Right? That's 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 what yeah. Hollywood was built on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Judy Garland wasn't just. A singer,
4: you know,
2: so yeah, was, exactly. It, you she could dance, she can act, right? Christopher Walken can sing and dance and act and all that. Absolutely, other shit. Debbie Reynolds, right? Exactly, e- et cetera, et cetera. Uh, let's see, finishing off, it, it was on uh, Percy Jackson in the Tale of the of the Lightning Thief. Uh, you know, if you're that was the first one, that was the first yeah, one. Yeah, if you're ten and you like shit like Narnia, why not? You're gonna love it. Yeah, and then a documentary on um, piercing called Flesh and Blood, not good. It was mostly a an ego piece by this one dude Mm -hmm. the one thing i did take a chance on this week um that i want to talk about briefly is uh i'm a big dana gould fan dana gould fan he's a comic stand-up and he's great right um he has a series out on ifc called stan versus evil it's sort of a comedic almost evil dead kind of vibe to it um i gave the first two episodes a shot and it's fucking terrible. And I'm so bummed about it's it. It's the
1: sci-fi thing, right?
2: No, this is IFC. IFC. It's about a, a guy, uh, an older man, probably, um, uh, John McGinty, who was in... Um, Scrubs? Scrubs. And yeah, yeah, Platoon.
1: yeah. A, because I didn't know about this thing, and I saw a trailer recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is fucking cool. Yeah. It's stupid and ridiculous. It and, is
2: stupid and ridiculous, and that's the sort of its problem. That said it's buried in latex dude there's just all the makeups are real um so the story is that mcginty was a sheriff in a town that has cursed that all the sheriffs that live there are cursed and they end up dying soon after they take the job because of something that happened to a witch in the past Mm -hmm. Um, mcginty has he's been the sheriff for 20 years and everyone thinks the curse is broken his wife dies, and they they suddenly find out that the wife is this like demon slayer who's sure. been keeping him alive all these years. Would you? Would it be safe to
1: say, hey, if you dig cheesy, yes, horror,
2: if you're stuff, digging Ash versus Evil Dead, right, you're gonna dig this. Yeah, it, it, this for me though, it just felt a little. Sh- Weird and sticky. What is this thing?
1: Okay, I I hate sometimes when I'm an old man and I'm not, I I don't have uh my finger on or my thumb on the on the pulse of, of anything anyway. of anything really. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, our our mutual friend lorelei Shannon was telling me about something that was about. God, I can't remember the 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 title now, but it was, and and I guess it's a series about cars that are running off oh of yeah people. yeah yeah blood what the, drive blood drive it what just the the got canceled oh my god because <laughs> uh, I thought
2: holy shit like I would love to see this yeah it's it's uh, this world where cars run on blood and this girl is <laughs> this, the main protagonist <laughs> is like feeding people to her car so she can drive it's it's very weird uh but it got canceled oh that's they just uh, yeah, they just it. canceled a shit ton of stuff um Let's see, moving on. Do you have any uh books you're reading? And we'll go on, get out of here. I haven't more.
1: I haven't been reading, but um there's something that I am going to start reading and I'm really excited about it, and it's called Um My Favorite Thing Is Monsters. Oh sweet. It's <laughs> a um, it's a graphic novel. Um and one of the one of the things that I really like about it, um is uh it's done on stylistically it's done on line paper it's done on oh cool like
2: almost notebook yeah exactly yeah it looks like it's
1: done on some kid's notebook yeah um oh that's very cool it's very cool and uh um it's done by a guy he's a 55 year old chicago illustrator um named uh emil ferris okay i've only been able to leaf through the thing so far i haven't really but it it, it, I mean, it's like a main line into Langley's, you know... Yeah, it movie. looked like it. Just it, what you, the it the image you just showed cool. me. Wow. So, uh, wow. hopefully next week I'll be able to tell you about it. Because and, and, right it, it's on. badass. I, I'm very excited. It's
2: very cool. Uh, I'm still reading the, the Zombies Through Time book, and that's not what I want to talk about. I will talk about that. Three friends of the show have books out, and we want to talk about that yeah. really briefly. Number one, Ed Kurtz, who we did a show with back in the, a while and ago. We did a, I want a, to a
1: film noir. Film uh,
2: noir, and I want yeah. to get him back for a Giallo episode... Um, has a new book out called Nothing You Can Do. I read The Rib From Which I Remake the World. Right. And it's great. Yeah. Um, Ed's a great writer. And so he's got a book out, so you want to go get that. Uh, another person that's been on the show, T.J. Tranchel, has a new book out called Asleep um, in the Nightmare Room. Yeah. T.J. is a writer who I, uh, he's great, and he has he gets that whole king vibe. Yeah. And it's great. Well,
1: he's like the world's biggest king yeah. Fan, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's think.
2: over the moon yeah. right now with it. It's really funny. <laughs> and then um, uh, there's a writer named I'm, I don't know. I'm gonna f- f- fuck their name up, but Sharice um, Clayton okay. um, goes also by the name of Chai Clayton. Uh, has a book out called The Quiet One. Yeah. And um, yeah, as of yet of today, it was free on Kindle. Um, uh, great stuff about. Almost like Starship Troopers with an American Indian bend bend to it. Right. I'm probably not doing it justice, but um, I bought I got it and I haven't read it yet. But um, those guys are gr- all three of those people are great. Good they're, people. They're not names that you know you hear a lot of people talking about, but but that's what we do. Yeah, exactly. You should people.
1: definitely go check out their books.
2: Um. So, music. Anything that's striking your ear, and then we'll get out of here. Um. You want to think about it. <laughs> Wanna think about
1: it? You talk about Talk i Last
2: episode, uh, Williams suggested Algiers, the Underside of Power. Right. Um, listen to it and it's great. It's I didn't think it wasn't gonna be great, but it's great. It's really solid, solid stuff. Um I don't know where they get off calling it whatever he called it, something gospel. Mm-hmm. But it's it's alt rocks kind of um uh whatever they would call it. I I I'm terrible at classifying these things. But um very cool. It's very, very cool. It's well worth checking out. And they've got videos out on YouTube. And then uh because I'm an old jazz head, I've I've been listening to a lot of Jean luc Ponty, specifically Cosmic Messenger and Civilized Evil. Cool. Um hardcore fusion kind of very sort of
1: uh uh I always think of Ponty as like Okay, now I'm sitting down and I'm working music. Yeah, it's yeah. great stuff. Yeah. It's
2: it's kind of for now. Uh, Puddy's songwriting has always struck me in like a math equation. Like here's the pieces that we're putting together, and once we have this sort of through line, right, then we're just going to heap all these really good musicians on top of it. Um, it's not as freeform form uh, as it was when he was with. Uh, the mothers of invention and zappa right um this is a little more restrained um and it's not as esoteric as like he's done records with stefan Grappelli and those kind of guys sure but he's great he's just solid stuff and i've been doing exactly that doing a lot of writing to it
1: um i've been going back and re-listening to a lot of web wilder oh, okay wow which i call buckaroo swing rock um <laughs> Webb wilder's great yeah. um he's he's uh, equal parts, Texas country rock nice. s- science fiction fan. Um, it's, it's, it's again, hard to put a label on this guy, but he, his stuff is great. Um, also, um, when I'm driving back and forth to work now, um, I pretty much just have on loop perturbator and, on um, and, and, uh, perturbator just put out a new album, um, the name of which escapes me of <laughs> course um but when it comes to to stuff like perturbator and protector um 101 laser hawk all this new uh retro synth wave stuff it doesn't really matter uh-huh. um, put the stuff on and you're good to either fight fuck or film it's, it's <laughs> like that's it's, that's that's the music for that
2: you know it's so funny that um after our show last week with William, it sent me into this weird spiral of, like, I went back and listened to... Uh, a
0: lot of lot of s- goth got stuff, got, yeah.
2: Lot, old Sisters of Mercy, and and found that, and it was just like, yeah, this is them. Um, uh, and the two things I came up, came away from all of that is, is I rekindled my love for a band called Soul World Somewhere. They mm-hmm. have a record called E and the This is... It's literally music to kill yourself to. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's cool. Gr- it's great. Yeah. Um, and then last night, I stumbled upon a, a live record I didn't know even know was out from a band called Love Spirals Downward. Um, Ryan Lum, and, uh, he's had a couple of vocalists, re- dream, dream sure. sort of ambient stuff. It's great sure, sure. stuff. Um, but m- for the most, most of the goth I listened to, I was just like,
4: mm hmm.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's that. Sounds that. <laughs> like alien sex theme. Check, check. <laughs> the field to the film. Check. Yeah, it was just one of those things, and it was all that I remembered. But there was a lot of the project stuff. Um, uh, Sam and and, and and project was that's some great stuff. Yeah. If, you, if you dig, if you dig, there's some bullshit in there, but if you dig, it's all good. Yeah. Um. All right, we're good. That went episode 140. Bam. We're off. Uh, next week, I'm not going to tell you who's on because uh, we've had some, some cancellations, and I don't want to get people excited about yeah, something yeah, yeah. Else we'll, over here. We'll trust us. It'll be cool. <laughs> we got some good stuff coming up. We yeah. have some good stuffs coming up, and um, we got some directors, some actors, some some artists, some writers. Yep. and it's going to be fun. So we'll uh, we'll see you next week for the bonus material podcast. I'm Tom Carnell, and I'm Langley West.
1: Stay scary.